in a world where combat sports changes on a dime. Two men cover the happenings of it all. What's up, everybody? Professional Wrestling. We said the wrestling world was going to change. CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW was going to, and they were trying to sign him. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sandhagen, but I I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. I'm choosing Sandhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. Now Jermaine Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back, and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. Do you hear Dustin after the fight admitted, though, that there was like a second there where he was like, oh God, he might have me. Do you think Pena has a chance against Amanda Nunez? The card isn't very good, in my opinion. Even the undercard, I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Boxing. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. He's going to throw combinations of Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake, because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Left by a lot so funny that this is the boxing people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts and this is what has allowed youtubers to come in and take over the sport and much much more i have them this weekend i'm just gonna let the board fall to me dalvin cook zeke cmc hopefully i can get one of those running backs i did my draft tonight as y'all can see with my Vikings jersey on you have like your really really top tier wide receivers but then there's a pretty big drop off he didn't speak english so like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like I not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, we've seen Cejudo on Dynamite, we've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite, we've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez, like it just like the fact that Tony Khan actually Actually, just did that. Fightful, fightful, Stephen Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, fightful Select Weekender podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RVD Tito for life. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The marksmen have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds, episode 53. Um, so much to get into, you know, <laughs> like we do these shows just a week apart and it feels like it's been like a month worth of things that have happened. And I mean, I, I don't even honestly know where to start, but uh, feeling pretty good tonight. Like I said, I know we got a lot to talk about, so uh, appreciate everyone that's here tonight. And uh, I just want to say real quick, like, Shout out to everybody. Our last video hit 2.2 thousand uh, views or whatever. And uh, I really appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. That's the best video we've done uh, as live rounds. And uh, I definitely appreciate the support. Thanks for always hitting that like button. Thanks for commenting. Thanks for being in the chats, supporting us any way you can, super chats, all that stuff. I, I really appreciate you guys. Um, and also just... I've, I've definitely been looking at like memberships and possibly what we could do for members if we did do that. So just curious if you guys have any ideas, you know, a lot of you really run this, this channel. A lot of you really have supported this channel and we have our core group of, of guys that are always here. So uh, I'm always open to feedback and hearing what you guys would like from us. So uh like I said, just a shout out to you guys. Appreciate you guys. And uh, how are you doing tonight, Steven? I'm doing well. Doing well. Can't complain. Yeah, thank you to everyone who's uh, been supporting the show. Because, uh, yeah, we're this is 53 episodes in, and we were doing some shows together you know, prior. So, you know, we appreciate everyone who's watching all this and supporting. And on the, on the audio side, we got a, a couple hundred listens as well. I mean, so people really seem to like that episode last week, and we really appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, smashing that like button and uh, and subscribing really helps. And those are free ways to, to help support the channel. Um, just by liking and subscribing, it helps grow the audience. And we really, really appreciate that feedback too. When, when you leave comments, we read every single comment. I might always, I might not always react to every single one, but we, we read every single comment that y'all leave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So we appreciate it. And, and if you do want to send any super chats or donations, the links are in the description and you can do the super chat right through YouTube. That's the best way to get involved with the show every week because we'll put your your um, question up on up on the screen or your statement, comment, whatever you got. We'll put it up on the screen. We'll answer it. Make sure to get to every single super chat. Um, so whether you're uh, you know super chatting or or you're just hanging out, just just watching the show, we appreciate every one of y'all. And uh, and yeah, think things are going well, man. I mean, just worked all day today and got some Chick Fil A and got my my big Chick Fil A, you know up here for a full root beer and ready to talk about some wrestling man i've been looking forward to this because like you said there's there's been a ton that's happened in the last week that that we got to talk about tonight (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if 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 you're not here so i uh, contrary to everything i just said about loving everyone who watches the show um you might not want to watch tonight if you don't want to hear a cody Rhodes love fest because like obviously i came ready like we're gonna be this there's going to be a Cody Rhodes love fest on this show. Um, we hope yeah, you stick around and, and join us in this. You know, we don't want you to leave, but um, you know, I I, I do understand Cody is, is still a somewhat polarizing figure in wrestling, still, uh, to some degree at least. I feel like I feel like a lot of the AEW fan base should really feel like bullies right now. Like you you booed this man out of the company, and now he's the most over babyface WWE's had in like decades. So like you could have just let this happen in AEW. You know what I mean? Like y'all did it to yourselves jerks, but, um, <laughs> but 
you know, that said, though, you know, we, we're going to talk about Cody tonight. We're going to talk about MJF tonight. We're going to talk about CM Punk, the AEW Interim Championship. I mean, there's a lot of not only is there a lot to talk about, it's a lot of like really big, important stuff going on in wrestling right now. So, yeah, for sure. And that's that's what just makes this show right now so fun is there is so much to talk about. I mean, there's nothing worse than when like you have a full week and it's just like, dude, what are we going to talk about? There's nothing that's been going on. And right now it's like the moment like Wednesday hits for dynamite. And then throughout the week, it's just more stuff happens. And it's, uh, it's just an exciting time. Um, I don't know. So I guess we'll start with with CM Punk. We'll go with that route, and then we'll head to the WWE side. So I personally think he injured himself diving into the crowd. Mm, I think yeah, that's, that's where it happened. Because if you watch after he dives into the crowd, he is limping. He is He's noticeably limping heading there. And then... When he does for this, when he gets tagged in, he does the springboard clothesline, and he totally botches that. I think he he totally finished himself off right there. And if you actually watch, um, at the end of the match, he's just sitting there with FTR by him, and he has this disgusted look on his face, and he doesn't know when he wants to get up. So at that point, he knew he was hurt. Like, he just kind of wanted to try to ignore it and just fight off the pain or whatever. But at that point, he had hurt himself. And part of me, like, thinks this is just something that's unfortunate, right? But part of me is also, like, this could be a warning sign that, like, he really might not have much left in him and... Like Adam Page and guys like that are just clearly so much better than he is athletically. And when he tries to hang with some of these guys athletically now, he's getting hurt. So that's my only concern, I guess you would say, is that he isn't a spring chicken. He was normally not that athletic in the first place. It was more being a ring general and being smart in the ring and knowing when to do things and stuff like that. And now that he got hurt off of something so silly. Um, I, I just don't know. It makes me sour on him as a champion a little bit. I understand why he's still champion. I understand why you've got to pull that trigger because he is that draw, right? Like people buy the CM Punk church shirts. They go there to chant CM Punk. They go there to hear cults of personality. Like it's all part of the show. And he's a huge part of AEW right now. So I get why you do make him champion, but Part of me is also like, I wouldn't mind if somebody else is champion either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're on the money with pretty much all of that. I, I you know, it, the unathletic aspect, you know, I, you, you can just point directly at like his UFC run, you know, I, I don't want my city here and like just knock that all show like I have in the past, but like you can just see in the way that CM Punk moves that like, he just isn't very athletic. Like, like you said, he was more of a ring general. He's more of like, and I don't say this as like an insult. This is just the truth. Like he's, he's more of like a comic book wrestling fan than like an athlete who became a wrestler. Like there, there's a lot yeah. of people that, you know, are, are both like they're, they grow up, you know, playing football or whatever. So they already have like an athletic background and they can move athletically, but they're also really into pro wrestling and they become pro wrestlers. With CM Punk, he was more of like 
trying to be like a superhero kind of comic book hero kind of guy. And there's once again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, it's just, he doesn't have that athletic background and it was just like really, really super exposed in his UFC run. And it just, the, his movement, you can just tell. And, but it's one of those things too, where I hate to say this, but I think that that, that kind of stuff can just really happen to anybody. Like, it's just unfortunate, yeah. you know, yeah. um, in football, you know, being a Vikings fan, you you know about this scenario from years ago. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater blew his knee to shreds just walking backwards in, in yep. non non pads. You know, and yep. it, it could, is there something to CM Punk's age and maybe the wear and tear on his body and all that stuff? Potentially, like that's it, it's definitely possible. Um, but at the same time, guys in their prime, you know, they could break their femur just moving the wrong direction somehow. And it's like, it seems like it's completely impossible, but it just, it just happens. And it, there's just really no explanation. Do you, do you think though, that it's partly him not accepting the fact that he can't do certain things that he possibly could have done before. And why, why I say that is, is when he's looking at doing that jump, he's thinking he's going to clear it and he doesn't right. When he's thinking that he can do the buckshot lariat, he thought he could do it. He couldn't. He, he was convinced he could do it again. He couldn't. Like, these are things that, like, I think – and then, okay, if your foot feels hurt, like possibly broken, it's probably not the best idea to do a springboard clothesline. You know what I mean? Like, there's just certain things to me that it's, like, it's not clicking that he – like, I feel like he loves pro wrestling again so much and he's so happy to be back, but it's like he's not accepting that he possibly has more limitations than he did before. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. And I think what it could also add into that or kind of feed into that is what you what you brought up a little bit earlier, too, about, um, about how – so – CM Punk storytelling wise, I think is one of, if not the best guy AEW has right now, when you look at like his yeah. long-term stories and the big payoff matches of those stories and, and why they gave him the world championship, as you mentioned earlier, like that's all these things make sense. Like, not, you know, it all makes sense. But if you're talking strictly in ring ability, bell to bell, he, CM Punk's not even in, in their top probably 15 or so. I'd have to like really think about it, but he might, but like storytelling wise, it, it may, it more than makes up for it because the, my point is CM Punk honestly doesn't even have to do as much in the ring as he does. And he's still going to be as over. So, you know, but, but it's almost being caught between a rock and a hard place potentially because you can potentially almost get kind of into the Cody and AEW uh, territory potentially of like the fan base starting to view you as, well, this is a company about the best in-ring wrestlers and like you're telling good stories, but like when we all, when we watch the same card and it's like the young bucks and Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and so on and so forth. And you're like, he just, he isn't to that level in the ring as any of the people that I mentioned. There's plenty others that I can mention as well before CM Punk just strictly in the ring. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's just, once again, I have no issue with them putting the world title on him whatsoever. And he's super over and he's the top draw on the company minute by minute. When CM when when MJF talks about being number two in that, like that's yeah. to CM Punk being number one. Like CM CM Punk is big money for them. He's a big draw and he's he's killing it in the ring. But at the same time, he's also holding the title belt that represents the best wrestler in the entire world. 
And for me, not just in in AEW, like I'm talking all of pro wrestling. I think the most prestigious title belt in all of wrestling is the AEW World Championship. So, you know, so Punk might also feel like he's got to keep up with guys like Hangman in the ring and and, and talents like FTR being side by side with them. Like he's got to always step it up to their level when in reality, he, he could straight up do the five moves of doom. And you know yeah. his own five moves of doom, and, and be just as over and be and be fine, unless once again the AEW fan base eventually like sours on that, and you know, but by that point you can turn heel anyways and work with it, so right? It was, you know, so yeah. So how do you feel about the whole interim idea? I like it as long as Punk is back fairly soon. Um, you know, yeah, because. I, I assumed he was relinquishing the title at the end of his promo on dynamite. Yeah. I thought he had given the title up and I like, I tweeted about it then deleted the tweet when I was sitting there thinking like, wait a second, did he just like, did he just relinquish the title? What did they just, what did he just explain out there? I was kind of confused. And, but so, you know, if, 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 if punk's not going to be out for a really long, I in, in relative to, to, you know, in the UFC, another good example, like when, as when I say y'all know what I mean when it's like, all right, so if Punk's going to be out like a few weeks, you don't need to do this at all. If he's going to be out like a few months, this is good. If he's going to be out like a year, then he should just give up the title. You know what I mean? So I'm assuming he'll just be out a handful of months and they can pay the story off and, and unify the titles fast. Because what I don't like is the idea of two consecutive champions, which I don't think AEW would do, but I, I hate that. It's really bad in boxing. Like you know this better than me. Oh, but like yeah. seeing multiple champions in one four weight, division, like all, yeah. four different belts in the same weight class. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's just lame. By the way, I've been just side note. We're going to talk about this, but I've been watching most of the major boxing uh, recently. So like actual you boxing, not, not just YouTubers. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was good. So good. he's good. So anyway, um, yeah. I'll say this. I think it's good that it keeps everything in line, right? So let's say whoever wins this title knows that he's facing CM Punk. CM Punk doesn't have to come back, win a number one contendership match or a tournament or whatever. Like, it's already on lock that he's going to face the winner. So I like that part. It's like, remember, like, when Finn Balor got injured after SummerSlam and he had to hand over the belt and then he wasn't able to do – he never got it back. He never even right. had any like contention for it. So I like that idea. Um, I personally think this is probably like a three to four month injury. If it's like a broken foot, I, you know, I'm just going by like football terms. Like that's usually what happens is when a guy breaks his foot. Um, we had a cowboy, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he broke his foot in, um, in week one like going into week two practice or whatever, and he was out 10 games. So like, that's kind of where I'm thinking punk will be. Um, So I'm thinking punk will be back like around September, which to me, Arthur Ashe, you know, grand slam, whoever's the winner versus punk makes a lot of sense. If you want to do that. Yeah. Um, Also, we found out that, Oh, it's another thing I didn't like it got really confusing what the hell's going on, right? Because then Jericho says that he's relinquishing the title. Then he says, never mind. Then, like, during the Scorpio Sky-Dante Martin match, they go on this long explanation that's, like, this long on a small little graphic. And, like, 
the winner of this face is this and that. And the way that it sounded like to me was, okay, they're going to have a battle royal, right? The winner of that battle royal will then face John Moxley on another dynamite. That's what it sounded like at first. I'm not right. saying that's what it is. Right. On another dynamite, then they do that. And then the winner of Goto and Tanahashi will face whoever wins the Moxley and Battle Royal winner at Forbidden Door to decide the AEW champion. I was close. So, I mean, basically, they're going to have a Battle Royal tomorrow. The winner of the Battle Royal will face John Moxley that night, tomorrow. Then whoever wins between Goto and Tanahashi will face whoever wins over the Moxley and, and Battle Royal match at the Forbidden Door to decide who the AEW champion is. So, but that's a lot. That's a lot for people to just kind of comprehend all of a sudden, like CM Punk was champion and now we have this crazy thing going on. But I knew, I knew the Forbidden Door was important. To get people's interest in the Forbidden Door, you need the, you need the title on the line. Like if you're just an AEW fan and you don't like New Japan, it, it might not draw you in, but now you want to see who's going to become the AEW interim champion. Um, and, and that, that to me, makes things interesting. Yeah, and let's keep it real. Like, there's a 0% chance that Goto wins. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, like they couldn't have made that any more obvious. They, I don't even yeah. know why they put him in there. Like, at least do, like, like a Naito versus Tanahashi or something like that. Like, Goto, give me a break. No, I agree. Like, it should have been someone like that. Like, I, I, when I, I first was read that, I was like... <laughs> I mean, what? like, I, re- I respect Goto, but he's not yeah. in the same league as, like, Okada and, and I don't Tanahashi even feel like they've Naito. used him in the last six months. It's like out of nowhere. Hey, you want to be in the main event of Forbidden Door? What? Yeah, Bill Ponderosa, which is another Always Sunny reference. I don't know if this is the same guy who week after week is changing his name to Always Sunny references to Pop Me, but it's working. I, I think, I think um, he is. I think he, he's yeah, that. yeah. Ponderosa. Yeah. Pondy. Okay, anyway, so... Ishii versus Tanahashi, that would have been awesome. Like, yeah, I would have. I mean, that would have at least, yeah, yeah, had had doubt about who was winning that one at least to some degree. I mean, it's pretty clear they're going to do Tanahashi versus Mox unless they just throw like a huge curveball and whoever wins this battle royal wrestles Tanahashi. But yeah, Romeo, yeah, uh, Hangman. Regarding this, yeah, I I want to say real quick, it should be Hangman versus Okada for the AEW interim championship. Like that would have been my perfect scenario. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But this is what's so stupid to me, right? I don't even think Hangman's going to be in the Battle Royal because right. he has a match with uh, David Finley. And, like, so what's more important, a match with David Finley or a shot at the AEW World Championship? Like, yeah. you cancel that match and you put in, like, Dante Martin or something, and then you put Hangman in the Battle Royal. Like, that makes no sense whatsoever. So it makes me really question who's even going to be in this match because Danielson's out, Adam Cole's out due to injury. You don't have Hangman in this match. So you're probably like Jericho Kingston, okay, maybe like a Daniel Garcia, sure, Um, a Dante Martin. I think Malachi Black would be a cool one. Uh, That's a guy that, that could possibly be a main eventer while Punk is out if they wanted to go that route. And, I mean, even let's let's say if he wins, I mean, Malachi Black versus Moxley sounds badass to me. Um, Pac, Phoenix, Pentagon, like, you could put some of them in there, but 
I don't feel like that their battle royal is going to be as stacked as it should be. And I, I personally don't want to see a lot of like low level guys in this. I feel like this should be like the top contenders. Miro, who's returned, like some big names, Wardlow. Like these are the type of people that should be in this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I really don't know who's going to win that because I, I just feel like it's, I just feel like it's pretty clear that Moxley and Tanahashi has got to be, got to be the match. But I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Like I want to see, you know, hey, Hangman really should be involved in this. He was the most recent champion. He hasn't had any kind of rematch. He beat everybody up until losing to Punk. I mean, like, if anyone deserves to be, oh, now also people were saying MJF now. Okay, assuming MJF actually is there, because I don't know what the hell's going on with MJF. I don't think he's going to be in it. But I'm just going to say, if he's there, he has to win. Not only that, he has to win the interim championship. Like, if (laughs) they figure things out, like, they have to put this belt on MJF and do MJF Uh, versus Punk 3 to unify the titles, and MJF beats him. Like, that would be, ooh, that'd be be good stuff. I have no idea what the hell's going on with MJF. Like, we'll we'll get into that, but I... I am blown away by this whole thing. Um, <laughs> but it, it would make it would make sense for MJF to find a way in that match. He might not be in it at the beginning or whatever, but just to sneak in something, take out somebody that was supposed to be in there. Like, you know, they can announce like the full lineup and then they have everybody come in, but one guy doesn't show up and they don't know why and where he's at. And then all of a sudden MJF runs down the ring, like perfect. Right. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing there. So my prediction is I think it could be Jericho and Moxley at the, at the finals, because here's a couple of reasons why. One, Moxley and Jericho have not faced each other one-on-one since Moxley beat him for the title. And I just think if you're going to have an interim AEW championship, you have two former champions, they face each other. I think Moxley's going to win. And I also think Moxley never got a title reign in front of a crowd, right? So it's kind of a way to do that. Plus, Moxley and Punk will draw. So I think overall, I think John Moxley's going to win this whole thing in my opinion. Um, Moxley and MJF would be very interesting, though. And I and I feel like the crowd would be very split on that. Like, because... Okay, hold on. Dirty sent in a super chat. Always uh, appreciate it, Dirty. Yeah. Do you think MJF could be a good baby face? I personally think MJF could do whatever he wants to do. Like, if he wants to be a great baby face, he would be a great baby face. If he wants to be a great heel, he'll be a great heel. I think he knows how to work a crowd. So, I think that that promo was the best promo of his career. I also think, and he's had some great ones, right? Oh, yeah, that was incredible. That was one of the best promos I've ever heard in my life. I also think that was 100% genuine. So regardless if they work things out or not, that's exactly how he feels. I also think that a lot of people believe he's right. And that makes things interesting because he's supposed to be a heel. But when he said, you too busy paying the ex-WWE guys, he won the crowd. The crowd was fully behind him at that point. 
And that's what I mean by he could be a babyface if he wants to, because people believe in him and he 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 knows how to own the crowd. And I personally think that he's an interesting subject because does Mark should Mark Henry, Malachi Black, Christian all be making more money than MJF? If you're asking me, no, for sure no, not. I, I agree. I think it's a no. And so I think he has a legit gripe, right? Because he is a bigger draw than they are, honestly. And he is a bigger attraction in AEW. So and he's meant more, way more to like the building of the company. Like huge. so many of the major storylines like were put on him for this company when the company was sinking or swimming. Like there was no for sure future at all in the company for anybody. And like they leaned heavily on MJF as their as their main like, heel. Go back to the very beginning when the company started, the MJF Cody friendship, right? That was a huge part of AEW at the beginning. Then he turned on Cody. He's the reason why Cody is not was never able to get a title shot. Ultimately, he's the reason why Cody ended up leave, leaving AEW. If you want to go that route, like it, the 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 reason they had a blood and guts feud is because he created a faction called the Pinnacle to go against the Inner Circle. He also infiltrated the Inner Circle. Like, there's so much that he did to carry this company. The Moxley. Uh, feud where he was like running for president or whatever like even just his matches with Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara and like Darby all the pillars right like he is a massive part of AEW and I I guess I sound ridiculous because at first I was just like man he can go I'm over it you know but it but like listening to him it's like it means a lot more coming from him and it felt legit true passion from a guy that really cares. And I, I kind of agree with him, man. Like I, I feel like that he does deserve this and I don't want to see him go. Right. And I also think that like, if, if there are these type of guys that are getting paid more than him, it is an injustice. Like he does deserve to make more than they do. Um, and I guess you would say that if other people had a problem with it, they're not drawing what he does. They're not contributing the same way that he is. So I, I, I don't know. And, and like, honestly, just flat out, do you think him and Tony Khan have worked everything out? Or do you think that that actually escalated things and made things worse? And now <laughs> Discover is getting involved and in saying, like, we might not be interested in doing business with this kid. So I think I said this a little bit last week, but, like, all of my, all of my instincts and gut feeling is that they have worked it out. And this is, like, one of the best storylines ever that we're seeing play out in front of us right now but i also thought that was happening with cody and he yeah, actually exactly left. exactly so, so that's why i'm so torn on all this kind of stuff because yep. if anyone was going to pull off a story like this a a a brian pillman style quitting companies jumping around type you know loose cannon type thing it would be a smart mark wrestling fan that's around our age that's an internet guy like Tony Khan. Like, do you, like this, like 
if there if anyone was going to do a story like this in modern day wrestling it'd be tony khan but at the same time i thought the same thing was happening with cody and then he actually went to the wwe so like i i i don't know my 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 honest feeling though is that if they hadn't worked it out to some degree there's no way they put mjf out there to give to to do a promo if like they legitimately haven't worked anything out like they're not going to put him out there to to go out there and like really you know what i mean like because they can just no i know what home, you mean you know like, i know what you mean but there's part of me there's part of me that's like tony's a mark yeah right oh, yeah and it's like i don't know if he would do what's best for business because the mark side tells him to go out there and cut a shoot promo you really upset go 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 air your grievances then yeah like and then did he take it too far right like clearly when he called him an effing mark and they cut off the mic and cm punk came out like that's definitely a work right Right. like that part we get um i did find it interesting that this when cm punk came out that was during a commercial break no the fans actually didn't see that unless you saw you were there live so i did find that interesting and also what was the actual plan then like, was it supposed to be CM Punk and MJF before the injury? Was that what the long-term route was going to be or or what, right? So, um, but yeah, man, like MJF as the interim champion sounds like the perfect way to like piss off CM Punk. Like, you couldn't get it done, Phil. I'm here to be the real champion, the champion that these fans need, like, they could really go that route, but also, do you see like MJF versus Tanahashi at the Forbidden Door? I don't. I the only reason that I do kind of is because of that one remark MJF made about not giving a shit about about a uh, New about New Japan. Japan. Yeah, like not pretending to be a New Japan mark. That because to me that almost seemed like okay, so like. I kind of want to see him wrestle like one of the top guys from New Japan now because just because he said that. He would be really disrespectful. He would be really disrespectful. I think that would go over well. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see because I've never thought of MJF as a guy that I wanted to really see in any of these like dream matches when I think about New Japan pro wrestling. But I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it would be really interesting. I mean, MJF, regardless of, of... what the actual situation is mjf is the most talked about guy in wrestling right now him and cody they're the two most talked about guys in all of wrestling right now i mean so good for mjf i mean and, and when it comes to the money stuff you know i know we talked a lot last week about like rookie contracts and all that and and i think there is uh, something to be said about that as well but the more that i think about it and the more that i think like it isn't fair to MJF because the pay scale has changed right before his eyes. And like, yeah. he, you know, so it, it's, it's like it, when I was really thinking, you know, cause when, when it comes to a rookie contract, I do, I do somewhat agree with the idea of like having to really come and improve yourself. Like in the NFL, I think there's a lot of college players that are overhyped that like they should have to prove themselves on a rookie deal and not like, getting like you don't want a demarcus russell type situation where you have have to pay a guy an arm and a leg just to sign him out of college and you really don't he's one of he's one of the main reasons they came up with a rookie wage scale because he did get paid too much and it hurt the franchise exactly so like when it came when it comes to AEW, most people kind of started on the mjf type level of pay 
outside of like your outliers, like the elite in Jericho, like in Mox, you know, right at the beginning, you know, but then the reason I have more sympathy towards MJF when it comes to this is as the company grew and went from, you know, who knows day to day, if this thing's even going to be around next Wednesday and the Wednesday after that, you know, at the beginning of the, of the existence of the company, he was a big part of that. Like we had mentioned and and now it's a sure thing. Like AEW is established. People are leaving WWE and choosing AEW instead. And they're making comparable money to what they made in the WWE. And that's the reason the scales changed is because, you know, TK is sitting there going, would you make over there? You want to come work for me? Okay. Like we can work something out around what you were getting paid over there. And that right. amount is way higher than whatever those guys starting in AEW like MJF were making. But the difference with like pro sports is when you're the the rookie coming onto the team, everyone else is like the you're the outlier. Like everyone else is established at like a pay range that like makes sense for those players. And you're coming in to have to prove yourself. This almost worked in reverse, where it's like MJF proved himself, and now everyone else is coming in and getting paid off of the foundation of work that him and a lot of the other AEW guys, like they put that on their backs. Like there, yep. there is no a current AEW to come to and make big money if you're an Adam Cole or a Mark Henry or a Big Show or a Christian without MJF proving what he is and getting the company to where it's at now not not entirely him but he was a big part of it especially on the right. heel side there's not a better heel in the entire company than him it, from day one so i mean so if i if i'm mjf like i or if i should say my honest opinion of where this situation is with mjf right now is you know tony khan i think needs to have the attitude of like i'm sorry to other wrestlers who might want to do this also but MJF's an exception. Maybe Jungle Boy being maybe another exception. I have no idea what Jungle Boy makes or what he wants to make. But like, I think that TK needs to pay MJF and and not force him into an extension because, I, honestly, out of out of sheer respect, if I'm being completely honest, because you 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 you've got you've got to like MJF. He deserves the money right now. The short yeah. of it, like you, he should be making what the other top guys are making. If they're legitimately making like four times more more money than he is, like he needs to be compensated to around where they're at. Um, and if and if someone I don't want to name names, but if someone else on like kind of the the mid card of AEW wants to try to do the same thing, Tony Khan needs to stick you know hold his ground. And you know this is because not everyone's going to bring the same value MJF brings. They just don't. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think that AEW should pay him. I also kind of wanted to talk about, too, the fact that, like, this kind of might be a good sign about the future with Discovery. If, like, MJF can go out there and cut a promo like that with the the head people in charge and, like, it's not this huge ordeal and they're super pissed or anything, that gives me, like, that makes me feel good about the future with them. Because, like, I don't know if you really pay attention to, like, the movie industry and all that. But, like, Hasloff, the the new head owner of Discovery, like, he is going in there with an axe and just cutting people up and kicking them out. Like, if you don't make money for this company, get the hell out of here. Projects are being canceled. Shows are being canceled. 
People are being fired left and right. He's looking into bringing in new people to run DC. Is He's this, looking is into this the same. Is the same company that had that like CNN Plus or whatever? Yes, that, like didn't work but he, right away. He had nothing to do with that. So he's Jeez. just like, this is a disaster. Right. He also like, so so Clint Eastwood had a, his latest movie and like they basically flat out told him that they admitted that they knew it wasn't going to make money, but they let him have it because of loyalty to him. And Haslow thought that was like the stupidest thing he'd ever heard. Like you're going to let a guy make a movie as a passion project that you knew would make us lose money. Like you're going to get fired. Yeah, that's like, the that's that's the Chuck Liddell's of the UFC buyout right there. Right. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's like people right. that are like not familiar with the situation and then just hear the actual like meat and potatoes of the subject and like, yeah, so that's stupid. Like Chuck Liddell does nothing for us. He sits in an office. Why would we give him this huge salary? Like that's yeah. that's what happens. So when I heard about that. And like, you know, he like really likes the Joker movie because it only cost $65 million to make and it made a freaking fortune. So he's like, great, we don't have to spend all this special effects and all this other craziness to make a fortune on a movie. I like that idea. So I was worried with AEW where it's like, okay, I have this company on my network and then they're going to want like five times more than what we're paying them to produce future content like i don't know if he's gonna like that so that was my concern but like if i'm hearing that he has more support and aw is being supported by discovery then that makes me feel better about the situation yeah yeah i'm with you the yeah who knows man it's wild that like because i'll I'll be completely honest i Okay, y'all know most people who watch this know that you know I, I do stuff with Fightful and you know so I you know I'm friends with guys like Sean Rossap and, and the guys who who break news and I think that they always someone like Sean for instance I think Sean like legitimately he's a really 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 good and accurate reporter like he's kind of like an Ariel Hawani type figure in my opinion uh, who, on the MMA side but like for pro wrestling but the difference is for to cover pro wrestling, there's always that aspect of like, are you getting worked? Like, yep. is the person giving you the information working you? Or did you get accurate information and then plans legitimately changed? I think that's been happening to Dave Meltzer for decades is like when he would report stuff, a lot of the time he'd be accurate and sometimes he wouldn't. And it's all, it's like a blanket statement, but it, it's true sometimes where it's like, yeah, I was told wrestler X was going to be wrestling wrestler Y but because that was the plan and then that plan like legitimately changed the day of the show and that's not the plan anymore what i reported was right but like the plan actually did change and the reason i say all this is because even the stuff that gets reported when it comes to like airplane tickets or discovery being upset or this or that how much of it is 100% legitimate how much of it is somebody working a reporter how much of it is there was a plane ticket and then like he but it wasn't purchased by by mjf somebody purchased one under his name like you who knows you know what i mean so like all i all i can say is like especially with the guy like mjf like right that guy 
that guy would completely sell you a bill of goods and you would buy it and then he would just be like mark when he's the only guy who's who's sticking to kayfabe in like every facet of like of like of the public you know like when you know he, he and we we've seen his shoot interviews and stuff in the past where like this kid is obsessed with the history in pro wrestling. His favorite era yep. of wrestling is like the 1980s. Like yep. he loves old school, real people getting actually angry and and not breaking character and all this stuff. So if anybody and that's, but this is why it's, it gets tricky for me is like Cody's the same way. And it's like, I thought Cody was working us in AEW. I thought a, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I thought AEW or someone within AEW was feeding sean bullshit i legitimately did yeah. about the cody thing i thought i thought that the stuff that was getting reported was getting reported accurately 100 percent because i i trust guys like sean and not, it's not just sean there's others too that are really good at their jobs they're they're reporting what they're actually being told by their sources right but i always right but i always have to question the the prerogative of the source because yep. is the source in with is Tony telling somebody to tell a reporter, hey, like we want this to look really real. So yep. like like when you talk to the guys you know who 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 are journalists, dude, you know, you never if know. If I was Tony, I would be like, we're gonna work these son of a bitches and we're gonna have them put all this stuff on the internet and they're not gonna have a clue. Like and I would just be me and him in an office, nobody else. I wouldn't even tell the EVPs, nothing, just me and him and be like, look. I'm going to go here. We're going to go here. Your guy tell, like, have smart Mark tell Sean that, like, this is actually what's going on and it's completely false. Like, you could just do all sorts of stuff, right? And I, I just, I think that we have to think outside of how WWE would handle something because, like I said, Tony is one of us. And I, I would not be surprised if, this is a big giant work that they came up with. I you you won't be able to prove it, but I wouldn't be surprised. And this is like I said, there's there's hints of it that it was definitely a work, right? Like I said, as soon as he got off the mic, they cut it off just like the pipe bomb, by the way. Yep. And I don't think it, it and maybe the whole point of it was to be the pipe bomb, right? Because that's why CM Punk came out afterwards, because it's like a, a transition from that. Plus, I think that's interesting because WWE would never use something like that from a previous company and then use that type of promo to like continue on in the storyline. But they don't care because they care more about pro wrestling in general than they do of just strictly our company, right? Um, so I, I do think that's interesting. Now, granted, Seth Rollins did acknowledge that Cody smashed the throne, so props to them for that. Um but just in general, I, I do think that they would do something like that where it's like, okay, that's MJF's pipe bomb. Now you send CM Punk out. Um, but I don't know where they were going with that. And that's the one thing that one thing that you can clearly tell, especially like listening to Jericho at these post uh, pressers and stuff and explaining how things work. Like it's not just Tony Khan booking this stuff. It's the actual wrestlers that are booking this stuff. And there it's a collaboration and I love it, right? I love the fact that, like, you're getting what they want to do 
which means they're passionate about it. And then they get to display that on screen and they're not being force fed a script and being like, this is what you have to do. And then they're going to try their best to pull it off. Like it's, it's inside of them that is why it's so successful. So the mind of MJF and Tony Khan together, if they really want to make this thing work, I think they can come up with something pretty special. And the interesting thing is, is me and you are both pretty dialed in and we're questioning what the hell's yeah. going on. And that to me is it. great. Yeah. It's great because I don't want to watch everything and have it all figured out. Like I enjoy being, having to question myself and being like, Damn, I mean, what? I didn't think he would go that far. Whew, that was stiff. Like, man, he sounds really upset to a point to like, he just kind of took a lot of shots at the locker room there. Like, I don't, you know, like, it's just, it, it, it's weird how things, and like, like, here's an example. I don't really know if Eddie Kingston doesn't like CM Punk. Right. Because every time he talks about him, he like can't stand the guy. Right. And then like, Punks with a title and he has to give up. He's like, boo hoo, who cares? You know, like it, you can't tell. And I think that that's great. Right. So, and I do think it's interesting though, that like you kind of got the same type of promo from Adam Page against CM Punk that is like MJS grievances as well. Like there's something about these guys that started this place are not loving the idea that these ex WWE guys are coming in and taking spots and trying to take over. And I find that to be interesting. And I think that that can go in a deep storyline with AEW originals versus like the WWE guys at some point, if they wanted to go that far. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could, um, yeah, that'd be interesting if they try to do that, though, because there have been so many. And, like, who would you – like, would Mo, like would Mox be a WWE guy or an AEW guy in that situation? You know what I mean? Like, Mox, Mox would be a WWE guy, in yeah. my opinion. But I do consider him an AEW guy because he was there since day one. Exactly. So, But he wasn't there – he wasn't at all out, right, or all in. Like, he wasn't there. So to me, that's that's where the kind of the line's drawn. But I I would put, you know, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Christian, Moxley, the Hardys, like all that group there, at Jericho against, you know, Darby Allen, MJF, Sammy Guevara, the Bucks, Kenny Omega, Adam Hangman Page, like the the originals and i think it would be very interesting yeah. i think sammy guevara if done right could be possibly in that mjf group too because now he has heel heat and he's an AEW guy he could definitely go to the path of like i talked to max and he's 100 percent right this company's screwing us over and you know whatever um but I think it could also make it lame too, because Sammy's got that weird heel heat right now. He's got go away <laughs> heat. So I, I don't know how much you want to intertwine that with him. But I do think it's interesting that certain guys like that. If Jungle Boy was ready to turn heel, that would make sense. Um, you know, maybe separating Darby from Sting. It sounds terrible, but yeah, you know, I, I don't need I don't need you anymore. I see what you guys have been up to. You guys are trying to take over this place, and I'm gonna watch out for myself now. You know, like 
Sting could go join that group. Like, there's just a lot of things that they could do. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the idea of the pillars all being heels and like yes. like the veterans, almost like the new blood and uh and millionaires club, except like good. They're both um, over. Yeah, both yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um except I don't like the idea of splitting up Sting and Darby, although like that's inevitably going to happen. I just like, happen at some point. But I, I feel like that should really be saved for when Sting knows he's gonna be done, and then it's like have Darby beat Sting one on one as Sting's last match. Whenever Sting knows that's going to happen, is that I well, just think and, that's and don't the right you way. think that these these like recent injuries is kind of an indication that like I forget holding off on anything. If you're going to do this on the right. dynamite, just do it because you just don't know how much longer these guys are going to be able to go. So if you have your opportunity, just do it. And yeah. if it's on a dynamite. Oh, well, it's on pay-per-view. Great. But you only have four pay-per-views a year. You can't hold out and be like, well, let's get to November, you know, or let's get to September. Like, I think, I think you just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget. Listen, I love Tony Khan. I, I love what he's done with AEW, but I'll never forgive him or I don't know who to blame exactly, but the fact that we never got Cody Rhodes versus Sting on AEW, like just bugs the hell out of me. Like it yep. was right there. And they probably just figured they had all the time in the world to get to it. Exactly. And Cody left. Yeah. Well, and not only that, I don't think they ever thought Cody was going to leave. And I don't think Cody thought he was going to leave. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think the WWE rolled out the red carpet for Cody when he was expecting to get a door slammed in his face. And then it was like, Oh, like they want me back. Then that, that changed perspective. So um, but yeah. So anyways, what's your predictions overall? Who do you think is going to win this battle Royal? Who do you think is going to win between the, the battle Royal and John Moxley, uh, going to face Tanahashi at the forbidden door? I'll say if MJF is involved in this, which is a big, if then they capitalize on what's going on right now. And they do MJF versus, um, MJF versus Moxley, and then MJF wins, and they do MJF versus Tanahashi just for the sake of getting the interim title onto MJF for when CM Punk comes back, um, if they've worked this out. Now, MJF aside, personally, I'd like to see it be Hangman versus Moxley, and yeah. then even if Moxley beats Hangman, like Moxley has now, I mean, especially if it winds up being like, you know, we've seen sometimes I'll do like a 40 minute long or like hour long, like main event match for, you know, maybe they do like the half hour plus or something between like Moxley and hangman and uh, all right. So fly in this room um, Moxley and hangman, like, cause that also legitimizes Moxley even more going into a title match would be like, you just beat the former champion who hadn't lost in so long. And, you know, I'd like to see something like that. But at the end of the day, I think we get Moxley versus Tanahashi for the for the AEW interim championship. And I think Moxley is, has got to win that one um, at the Forbidden Door. So. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope Tony sends out a tweet tomorrow and says, you know, due to the unforeseen circumstances with the title implications, Adam Page has been pulled out of his match and has been put into the Battle Royal, like, because that just doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't want to be in the battle royal and face Finley instead. That just is For nonsense. Sure. So hopefully they they make a pivot there.
Guys, we got 49 people in here, so if you could just do me a favor and please hit that like button, help us out on the algorithm. That would definitely, I would definitely appreciate that. And uh, if you guys have any more super chats, send them our way. And uh, like I said, I always appreciate you guys tuning in for uh, tonight's show. Um, Matt Phillips had a super chat. Thank you, Matt. To me, the MJF situation is like someone with tenure getting mad at the new guy because minimum wage went up. MJF should get a contract extension and hush. So I, I think the easiest thing would be a contract extension. If you could come up with a way to just get to a number that he doesn't even need to look at free agency, right? Whether that's a huge number or what, but at least get to a point to where you can find something at a happy medium to where it's like, like, okay, so say Malachi Black makes so-and-so, right? Or say like one of the top guys that's under uh, a Brian Danielson or CM Punk, right? Pay him a little bit more than that. That's, that's where I would be around. So I would hope that they could come to some type of agreement. And does does MJF want to miss out on 18 months of a raise to wait? Or does he want to go ahead and get jumped, bumped up, and then he'll still hit the open market if he wants to when he's like 28, 29 years old, and, but he's going to get paid right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think the best case scenario – is for everybody is contract extension except i mean i if i'm mjf i said it last week i if i'm mjf i really want to know what my value free agency is like i would really want to test the market um but like you said if it's a number that's like so astronomical that like you know let's let's just say for instance um tony khan says okay listen we want to extend you for another you know three years past your deal. So you'll be with us the next five years or whatever, but we're going to give you, I'm just throwing a number out there, but they're like, we'll give you like $3 million a year. Like, I think MJF might be like, okay, yeah. Like best case in WWE, I might get like maybe like 500, 750. Like I probably, probably not even a million a year to come right in. Uh, Like, so if it's like a number, like that's super high. Once again, like that's, that's probably an unrealistic number. I don't think that, that they would pay so i i doubt anyone in AEW is making three million dollars a year i personally think if he was a free agent he would get two million dollars a year from the wwe just because million? just because of what he brings and what he represents leaving aew to come to wwe and just the fact that like and, and, and first of all we don't know how much more over he would be in 18 months I mean, he, right. he could be a huge name, possibly a former champion if, you know, Tony decides to put the belt on him. But I think around $2 million. So, I mean, I think you're looking at like 2.5, 2.5 to, to keep him, um, something, something like that. Uh, and, and, I mean, like, but here's my thing. And this always happens, right? And I want them, like, okay, for example, the Dallas Cowboys. I would love for them to go up to Tony Pollard right now and be like, look, you're making four hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred and fifty thousand. You're going to be a free agent next year. We'll give you five million dollars right now. Sign a contract, five million dollars, and he'll probably think, "Well, I can make way more on the open market." But can you? Like the running back market's about to tank. 
five million dollars. You could get hurt tomorrow, and you could get hurt tomorrow. Yeah, five million dollars. What do you say? Five million dollars, three years. Three years, fifteen million dollars. Ten million guaranteed. What do you say? And, um, and we used to do stuff like that. Now we make things extremely difficult, and we hold out till deadlines, and we have people pissed off and offended, and it's just stupid. But we used to do stuff like that. I remember, like Barry Church. He tore his uh, Achilles tendon. He was an undrafted free agent. We're like, hey, let's go ahead and sign you right after the injury. Sign him for like a four-year deal for like nothing. So, because he just had an Achilles injury and he's worried he's, his career could be over. So we went ahead and signed him up. Take what I can get. Don't even know if I can keep playing. Yeah. Yep. And then he yeah. went to the Jacksonville Jaguars after that contract was up, got paid, and retired. Like, yeah. But, I'm just saying, like, hypothetically, there's there's ways to approach this. So, like, if MJF is making $400,000 and I come with you and we're going to give you $2.5 million and you're going to turn that down when you could go get that right now and you're going to turn down $2.5 million for the 18 months that you're here, like, I doubt it. I think he would take that. So, yeah, that's what I think you got to do. Yeah. Yep. I think, I you know, like, like we keep saying, an extension is definitely what AEW would want. I just hope they figured it out. I hope yeah. I hope MJF's getting paid, and he, and he deserves to. I, I can't yep. stress it enough. Yep. I think I think it's very easy to blur the lines with that kid because he just never breaks kayfabe, and you just think he's his biggest asshole, and you don't have any sympathy for him. But like I said, when he was cutting that promo, man, he was making a lot of sense, and he was having a lot of people behind him, and I and I I just think that it's hard to let that go. Well, one thing I feel like they they definitely shouldn't do, but they accidentally did that night is they really shouldn't be making out Tony Khan to be a heel on screen for their company. Yeah, like it worked in Impact because he was like he was like the enemy to them, so he was like the kind of like the the drunk, weird, like overly excited, annoying character on Impact. But it he was, was known like, as the Forbidden Door. That was his yeah. character. Right, uh, right. The forbidden door. <laughs> right. And so, but, but on AEW, like, I feel like he really needs to be viewed as like a guy who's like for us, like, that's like changing wrestling for the better that like, you know, gives us a real alternative to the WWE as like, as like a mainstream, a major mainstream wrestling company and stuff. Like I, I, you know, I just feel like on top of that too, I don't need Tony Khan involved in a bunch of on-screen stories either. Like I like that. Yeah. I I like the lack of authority figures and all that. What do you think though, that Tony has a wrestler that represents him? Like if you cross the line, then Tony can always bring out somebody that would like defend Tony. Like he whoop your ass basically. And Tony gets to handpick him. Like I'm okay with that. I just don't want to see Tony out there. Because I, 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 listen, Tony is not made for TV, right? And, and the worst, it would get really bad if he was actually an on-screen character. I think the cringe would be through the roof bad, right? So I really don't want to see that happen. I really don't want to see Tony try to work punches and actually have like a physical altercation, like none of that stuff, please, no. But like I remember, you remember when Moxley found out that it was an unsanctioned lights out match with Kenny Omega, and he gets in the office of Tony, and he just cuts a promo going off on Tony, and then just leaves Tony Khan's office. Like I'm okay with that 
because you don't actually see Tony. You know Tony's in there because you can hear his voice, but that's it. Like, I'm okay with that, but please don't get to the point to where, you know, we get no chance in hell, Tony Khan. Like, I no thank you. How about wearing a do-rag world champion, Tony Khan? Please no. Yeah. Right, please no. All right. They're please super no. chat. All right. Alex Fitzgerald, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. $10. Um, do you think it would work out with MJF and TK? Do you see TK being an on-screen character in this story? See, we talked about that. Answer. Okay. They could do a promo similar to Heyman and Vince, and MJF is just laying into him in the promo. Um, like I said, I, I feel like if there's anything that happens, it's going to be where TK like sends a representative out whether that be Wardlow or whatever, like you keep going after Tony Khan, you're going to face the consequences. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, that's what I would possibly see happening. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, overall, like, man, MJF's really over. And this is another thing that I don't even know if Tony Khan and MJF realized but like I was watching the YouTube promo video packages that I wish they could somehow find a way to put in the pay-per-view because, you know, a buddy of mine, Eric, who is 49ers fan for life, he was there and he says it does kind of take away the live experience of just having entrance after entrance, but like no built up storyline on the video package that you get to like watch the history and then they come out it kind of takes away the production feel of the pay-per-view like for fans it doesn't bother us as much because we're just sitting at home chilling we're watching it whatever but i do think as a live experience it does kind of hurt the show because i know at a ufc like when you watch that live video of the main event and then they come out like it is fire you are fired up so I think that they should go back to that. I know that it affects match-wise. That's why I think they should cut a match or two. Like, you don't need 14 matches in a pay-per-view, in my opinion. You could have 12, and that's fine. And then add video packages, especially to the bigger shows. And they do have some, but, I mean, these things are like – they have a five- or six-minute video package on YouTube, and then they have a 30-second to one-minute video package that they're airing on the pay-per-view. It just doesn't – it doesn't hit the same. So, anyways – I'll say that um, that they definitely uh, they have the production, but I just think that they need to clean up some of that stuff when it comes to the to the story of it. Yeah, and, and AEW does so well with those video packages too. I mean, WWE does also. I mean, to their credit, oh, WWE's sure. production is incredible. And for someone like me that only watches just WWE pay per view at this point or uh, special uh, special premium events, whatever they call them. <laughs> Premium live events. Right um, yeah, premium live events on Peacock. Um, PLEs. PLEs. Is that what they call them? <laughs> yeah. Is that, oh, okay. That's like um, the industry name for them. That's funny. Um, I just lost my train of thought because there's this one stupid fly that he's flying right. You're talking about PLEs in the production in WWE. Oh, yes. I mean, like like oh, the so, opening okay. of Hell in the Cell was sick. Yeah, well, and and I actually need those because I don't watch the show except for once a month. So, right. like, I, I like having that before each match so I know what the story is going into it. Now, I'll throw this out there, too. I got every single prediction right on the show, and it's I've tweeted it on Twitter before it happened, so, like, there's no 
fugaziness going on. I still bat pretty much a thousand when it comes to WWE predictions without watching the show, except for just the special events. So like, it's still a predictable show. If you just kind of put yourself in Vince's head, if you're try to and just go, you know, who do you think Vince wants to win this? And then that's, you know, that's what I go with. But, um, but yeah, I can't remember why. Oh yeah. So when, when AEW though, like one of my favorite things that they've ever done with the video package was I loved that. What makes a cowboy video yeah. for hangman yeah. right before yeah. he went out with dark order. And like, I thought that whole thing, cause like, cause I, I think for AEW, it's a little different sometimes because so much of the audience is like that smart mark hardcore fan that like we don't really need reminders on stories because like we've been following it along the way but if you've never watched AEW before and you turn that on you saw that what makes a cowboy video you've never seen hangman before you get the concept of that whole relationship with himself in the dark order and then like when you hear the crowd react right after that video package the way that they come out for their entrance like I feel like that kind of stuff can really suck you in as a fan, even if you're not watching every week and stuff. So like, I think there definitely is a lot of value in having really good video packages before big, big matches for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's nothing that's like, this is what it is for now on. Like, and, and then they kind of, at the beginning, they did video packages the opening. They, they bought rights to music. They did some cool stuff. So it's something they can revisit. I personally think they're kind of, tightening up things the pyro hasn't been as strong the production hasn't been as strong when it comes to like special entrances and stuff like you remember jericho he had the choir he had all the different um jericho poses like you're not seeing stuff like that anymore and i think a lot of that has to do with them just tightening up and waiting for their new tv contract so i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case either so um i wouldn't mind too if like new japan would be putting a part of the bill so they could have some big elaborate entrances of the forbidden door like they have for new Japan. I think that would be sick. So we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, man, uh, did, did I, you, you said what you, if MJF wins and you think MJF is definitely going to be the guy, but if Moxley, if it's not, then then you think Moxley will be the guy going into forbidden door. Probably, but the, the only thing I don't like about it, the only thing at all is like when it's like, I'd like a little less predictability in this, but at yeah. the same time, it's AEW and it's like a lot of the time they just kind of do what makes the most sense. And with it being rankings based, it makes sense why John Moxley would have a buy into like not having to be a part of the, the battle Royal and being the fresher wrestler in that main event for, uh, to determine who's going to wrestle Tanahashi or or Goto, um, you know, at Forbidden Door, but <laughs> but but you know that's you know, so it's it makes it kind of predictable, but at the same time, it's like it probably makes the most sense, and it also continues to legitimize the ranking system because like the number one ranked guy won the title when the champion went down, so like being the number one contender means something, you know, so it's like. Yeah, I well, and I heard I heard Tony Khan's explanation, and it was the most ridiculous thing. And he, one thing that he really needs to learn is seven wins and seven wins is not the same thing when it comes to quality of opponent. You mentioned like Anthony Agogo, Anthony Agogo, dude. 
I was at one of Anthony Agogo's matches and he beat Mysterious Q, who isn't even in the company. Like, why should that count? Like, Moxley's, of course, beating way more quality opponents. And also, like, in the UFC, if, let's say, Dante Martin beats Adam Hangman Page and Adam Page is ranked number three, that's not just one win. Like, that puts you right up there in the top five. That's how it should be done. So yeah. I I know he's looking at it from like an analytical side, but that makes no sense. Like you need if you're gonna have a ranking system, quality opponent is everything in my opinion. Because you can be on a four fight losing streak and beat a top guy, and then you're right there in the mix again. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Look at like the UFC heavyweight division that happens all the time. We're like. Right. You're down and out, and then you knock out the right guy at the right time, and you're a contender again. <laughs> look, look at Glover Teixeira. Like, it, yep. it, it's like you wouldn't think much about that, and then it's like, oh, well, like, he's he's won – he's beat, like, all the top guys leading up to this. Like, I guess he's the number one contender now, and, oh, he's got the title shot. Oh, he's now the champion. Yeah. Never know. Which, by the way, that's happening this Saturday. Glover I know. We didn't, even, we didn't even plug that. It's crazy. No, I mean, we'll talk so about it at the very end. Wrestling. Yeah, at the very end, we'll make some UFC predictions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you want to get into Cody and then – Yeah, let's have, let's have our love fest. First of all, before we have the love fest, because it's definitely happening. Yeah. Um, I want to give WWE their props, man. I, I honestly thought that that was a pretty good pay-per-view. I think that if you are WWE, that's exactly the goal, is to have that type of show. If you had 12 of those a year, I think that, that their core fan base would be more than happy with that. Um, I thought, I personally thought that they put forth a lot of effort and they brought it in their matches for a WWE match. I, I pretty much, I'll say it. I enjoyed the pay-per-view. I thought the women's match was really good. The opener and, you know, you can criticize women wrestling and say whatever you want. I've definitely been one of those people, but like, if you get women wrestling like that, nobody's going to complain. Nobody complains. The reason people complain is that women get their spot not necessarily based on talent all the time, just because they have to be able to have a women's division. So here's so-and-so out there and this is a person and they're not that good. And you just deal with it because it's women wrestling. But like, if you're going to get that, like hundred percent, the best. And I do think the WWE has a clear advantage over AEW's women division. It's not even close in my opinion, but I will say that AEW's women's division continues to improve. So Great, great women's match. Great women's match. Um, and I have to pick, like, Brian Alvarez made this point, and it makes so much sense, and it really shows me that WWE does not think long-term at all. So I really hate Judgment Day. I think it's a terrible group gimmick. It's just dumb. It was awful. And luckily they figured that out, and they made the switch. But – does it make sense for Edge to get the win and then they cut a promo the next night on Raw and say that we're just lacking something, we're falling short because of something, and it's you. So you go and get the guy that Edge pinned to 
make him your new leader, even though Edge won the match. Does that make any sense? No, but to be fair, if you were six, then you probably wouldn't put all that together the same way you just did. <laughs> I'm just saying. like, No, and none like of it makes sense. Like, None of it makes any logical sense. Like, Edge is like, the reason the group exists. Edge is Edge the, is the one reason winning the group their matches. Exists. Yeah. Edge won the match. He yeah. beat Finn Balor. He won and then they went, too. Like, he keeps winning. <laughs> and then they went and recruited Finn Balor because the group is lacking something. How does that make any sense? It doesn't make any sense at all. Especially like, but you, it's said, like you, you pin Finn Balor. So like you're going to take the right part of, of what the win was. No, like, if night. he pins AJ, then it is what it is. No big deal. But that's what I, I personally think. They, they came up with this idea like on Monday. Yeah. Like, yeah no, I think they were like, Cody's going to be out. We need a baby face. Edge is the best shot we have. And we're just going to turn him baby face and just come up with something right now tonight to to make Edge a baby face is how I felt about it, to be honest. It just, it baffles me. But it, whatever. Like, I do think it was cool to have a heel turn that nobody really expected. Finn Balor, a leader of the group, almost like Bullet Club-like, right? Like, that part's kind of cool. <laughs> well, being the leader of a group. The club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying it gives you back those yeah. vibes that he's a leader of a faction again. That's all I'm yeah. saying. No, 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 no. I know. But what they wind up doing in this faction could be, could who knows? But well, yeah. I mean, Judgment Day is stupid. The whole thing I and I wouldn't do I wouldn't be surprised if they still walk out to like the other side too, with like Edge's music. Oh, and like yeah. it's I just heard, I didn't watch it last night, but I, I heard that they came out to like Edge's theme song and Titan Tron like video and everything because like it was so last minute that like yeah yeah they walked out with him and everything and then then they turned on him but well, no i think like, didn't they have a match later in the night where like like they weren't with edge anymore and like they still used oh i don't edge's know stuff i don't know yeah something like, but something I, I'm I'm gonna have to confirm that because i once again i did not watch the show um all i know about raw for the most part was that that happened and i also saw that Seth attacked Cody again. And I was like, you got to be kidding me that this is still yeah. going yeah. on. But we'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. I want to say real quick before we get more into Hell in a Cell that the women's opening triple threat match, like you said, was really, really, really good. Like that, best, that best women's match of the year so far? Probably. I, I would think for sure on the I'm WWE. Not trying to start them or anything, but I'm just saying between AEW and WWE, I think that was the best women's match of the year. Like yeah. some people told me Brit and Thunder. But like that was a little sloppy to me. The the cage match, like it it was good, but I don't think it was better than that. Yeah, that was that was really really good. Um, I thought it was a great opening match for this pay per view as well. I thought the pay per view was pretty good too. Um, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get back to to where we were at with Judgment Day. But yeah, I wanted to shout that out too. That I I think that had Cody and Seth not been on the show, which I thought was incredible, which we're going to talk about, like that would have been the match of the night. That that triple threat. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but like overall, I couldn't tell you a lot of bad things that happened on that show. Like it was, it was a pretty solid show. Um, I thought like even like matches like Mustafa Ali in theory, like I thought Mustafa Ali went all out. He had pretty sick attire for the Chicago attire. I thought that was sick. Um, I thought, uh, Madcap Moss, I mean, it wasn't that great, but it wasn't awful. I mean, Kevin Owens and is Elias, Ezekiel. I mean, everybody pretty much worked hard. Like there was no like real stinkers. It was it was fine. 
Um, and then the main event, like, well, then another thing, like Bianca is really, she's, she's, she's fun to watch. Bianca's very good. I think she continues to get better. Um, the crowd likes I, her too. The kids yep. all like with their hair and stuff like they, she's, she's over with, especially with the right, the right audience. Like the kids love her. So like they can grow up kind of with her if they keep her in like the yep. main event position, which yeah, they have a star with her, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and she's she's the perfect example of like recruiting somebody that doesn't have any previous pro wrestling like experience. Like yeah. that is what they want. They want ten Bianca Belairs if they can find them. For sure. Like that's what they're looking for. So, but those are so rare to find. But <laughs> but I do give them credit. They they completely built her from the ground up, and she's definitely starting to pay dividends. Very exciting uh, female wrestler they have. So, props to them on that. Um, I guess, I guess we can just get into the main event. So I heard that Cody got injured, right? But I, I didn't really know how serious it was. And then when Cody said that he still was going to have the match, I'm just like, okay, he's going to tape it up and just go out there, you know, whatever. And then like a couple hours before it's like, no, it's like a torn pectoral and, like, I know that in football, if you tear your peck, you're out for the year. Right. I know that. So I was just like, man, that seems kind of a stretch. Like, when I also gonna... remember – I remember Triple H doing it, yep. being out, like, five months, Cena doing, out, doing it, and he came back at the Royal Rumble, like, yep. early, and that was still, like, three or four months. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. So I was just like, man, that's kind of interesting. Like, he's, he's really going to wrestle. Okay. And then they were like – so not only did he tear his peck, he partially tore his peck when he was having his brawl with Seth Rollins on Raw, but then when he was weightlifting, he completely tore the tendon off the bone. And I'm just like, how in the hell are you going to have this match, right? So he comes out, and he looks normal, and then when he's doing his celebration and he's holding his head, he only's got one arm up, and I'm like, Man, he can't even lift his arm. Like, this this is not good, right? So then he goes and he takes off his freaking robe jacket. And oh, my God. Not only the bruising. And people are like, it could have been makeup. No, because that would have rubbed off real quick. Not only the bruising, but the swelling. His arm was completely swollen. And purple everywhere, arms, like chest. It was gnarly. And immediately I got somewhat uncomfortable. Like I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe he's actually going to do this. But knowing Cody from outside of WWE, he's got a couple of screws loose. He's a little crazy. He is a little crazy. And there are certain guys that's like, so you're telling me the only reason that I can't do this is because it's going to hurt really bad. And they're like, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to do this then. Like there are certain people, but honestly, I don't think they've got three people in that locker room that would do that. I really don't. Like, I think Cody did something heroic and I think that it, shows just how bad he really wants this and i mean he deserves a lot of respect for for what he did that night 
and I'll go on more, but I'm going to let you give your thoughts. Yeah. So first of all, I thought it was uh, kind of funny at first, not that he was injured, of course, but when I was watching the pre-show, which was the kickoff, which by the way, I treated this as well, but the, the, the panel for the kickoff is so bad and so cringe that like be less excited for the show i already wasn't excited for i was like how are y'all this and like jerry the king lawler is just out there just canceling himself left and right with the stuff he's saying like just bonehead i didn't even hear what he says but like rosenberg i can't take him oh yeah i'm not rosenberg yeah yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm not really super high on Booker T nowadays either. And yeah, so, I mean, like, it's just, a, it's like a pull pan- panel of cringe. Um, but throughout the whole, not only just the kickoff show, but throughout the entire special premium event, they also were saying the same exact canned explanation as to why Cody was injured and how he was still going to wrestle. And it was so weird and robotic how I had to keep hearing the same thing from different people talking about like Cody Rhodes uh, was not initially, he was initially injured doing this or that, but he wasn't fully injured during the role of Seth Rollins. He then injured himself when he was weight training. And then, but because of the man that Cody is, he's going to you know still compete in hell in a cell. But it was the same exact written scripted thing that everyone was saying over and over again for hours. And it just sounded, sounded strange. Cause like, it felt like nobody was genuinely like, talking about Cody and the situation, they were just all reading the same exact statement over and over again about it. That being said, once it got to the actual match, okay, that was, so I, I heard Pat McAfee talking about this on his yeah. show. Yeah, and, you know, he was talking about, first of all, I thought it was interesting because I didn't put it together at the time, but the reason he wasn't at, he wasn't doing commentary for the show is because there was only one SmackDown match. So there was no point in him, being there and i was like oh shit i guess he's right there only was one smackdown match for that entire pay-per-view which is kind of yep. crazy um but on top of that he was you talking about how when roman goes away yeah exactly yep. <laughs> um brand split is not real um but uh but yeah i so but he but so he's talking to uh he's talking about how how kind of heroic this performance was and he's talking to aj hawk of course, for people who don't know, former NFL player, um, Pro Bowl linebacker. level player, yeah, linebacker played for the Packers. Stupid Green Bay Packers for most of his career, but um, he was talking about how when when he did that, he was like, because it's coming from the perspective of an of an NFL player, tough as hell, like had a similar injury, and he was like, I don't know how he could have wrestled with that. He's like, that's insane. He's like, that's something that like that isn't normal like that's you 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 should like he's like i couldn't even lift my i legitimately couldn't lift my arm when that happened to me i don't know how that man wrestled a match like that and um this just if cody wasn't already the biggest baby face in the WWE, which he was he is that times 10 now like and i think that's a big reason why he did this match to begin with because he knows the position he's in he knows this is a once in a lifetime push and opportunity he's getting coming back to the WWE and being primed to be the guy to beat Roman and put the company on his back for the foreseeable future. Like, I, I think Cody told Vince, he's like, I'm doing this no matter what. There's nothing you do to stop me. Like, of course, the, the he still has to be cleared 
to some degree. Like some sort of some doctor had to have said he was okay to do it because that's a huge liability for the WWE. If, if Cody goes out there and the injury gets worse and like he goes in a shock or something, and like you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of risk for the WWE if they're not sure that Cody can can do this. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, I think if it's most people, especially because Roman's not on the show, you're the main event. Like this whole show is kind of riding on on Cody versus Roman happening, yeah. and it's Hell in a Cell. It's the only Hell in a Cell match for the show called Hell in a Cell. So like, there's a lot riding on Cody. He's on the, the poster. He's the whole poster. He's the, poster. He's the whole pay per view yeah. chair. Like he is the guy, and yeah. I think he took that serious. Also, it's Chicago. Like that is a huge market, and I he's he's main eventing, you know. Well, and um, it's also his roots in that building with like AEW and stuff. Like, I have have they done all state? They've done all state for AEW, haven't they? I'm not sure. Have they never done all state? I, I think, think they, they did all. Have. Did they do all all state for Punk for Rampage? No, Rampage was the United Center. It was United Center. Well, yeah. regardless, the city of Chicago being synonymous with the way that it is with AEW, like for Cody to go back there, that's like he, I know he was tweeting leading up to it about how excited he was about going back there and stuff. So, um, yeah. but so yeah, I, I, I think, I think that that is one of those situations similar to the things you hear about when a mother lifts a car off the ground to, you know, cause their kid is trapped underneath. Like this is just like one of those moments in life where you go numb and the adrenaline takes over and you just go out there and you just suck it up and you just do it. And Cody, I mean, that that's a performance that I think people are going to talk about for a really long time, hopefully forever, because it happened in a company in the WWE where you don't see a lot of that, especially modern day. Um, yep. I mean, we were, I remember how mad Danielson got when, like, they stopped his match with Randy Orton years ago, and he was saying, yep. "Well, Triple H got to wrestle through the quad, and and you know, yep. but they made Danielson stop. Like Cody, he he's not like he's. I, I'm not saying Danielson would have done it, but he there's nothing he could do. His hands were tied. Cody's in a position where this whole pay per view was riding on him, and Vince knew that. He knew that. The fans knew that, and he could have came out and phoned it in, and and. Yep. It was hell in a cell. They could have they could have figured out a way around it and done something where a bunch of people ran in and beat him up, or they could have gotten around it. But they had a a full match. Not only that, that was the best WWE match I've seen in a long ass time. Like that I mean, was. I I think it's time for Dave Meltzer to give Seth Rollins his first five star match. Like I think it was a five star match. I think that especially with the emotion, just everything involved in that match. And if that match would have sucked. Like, nobody would have blamed Cody. Right. Like, they just have been like, look, he did the best he could. He clear, torn, pectoral. It is what it is. But, like, there were so many false finishes in that. And there were so many things where I thought, like, the one where I really thought it was Cody was definitely losing. And that's another thing, too. The fact that they had Cody win this match doesn't really necessarily make a lot of sense unless you really view this guy as the next guy for the title and that's the that's only reason I, you win that's where that's i think only, he, yeah. that's why i think he did win yeah. which is great news but like there were moments where when cody couldn't hold the sledgehammer anymore and he had to drop it like oh he's losing right i did think though that cody has been teasing the the pedigree for the longest time right 
if he was going to hit the pedigree, I felt like that should have been the finish. Yeah. They should have found a way to incorporate that as the finish because it's been built for so long. And so that was the, my only gripe about the match. But overall, I mean, I thought I thought it was great. I think Cody's crazy. But I also, you know, I don't know how to say this necessarily, but I think that we're in a time and an era where masculinity is is now being frowned upon and i heard some people say that it was a display of being a meathead and toxic masculinity and i just think that like cody's two years younger than i am and we grew up in a different era and there's just times about it's time to be a man and be tough and go out there and do your best and show that you can fight through the pain and like i watched movies all the time where guys get injured and they fight through the pain all the way to, to, to reach the mountaintop, right? Like there's a movie best of the best and Alexander Grady pops out his shoulder and he has a shoulder pop back in to win his karate match. You know, Daniel LaRusso gets, you know, sweep the leg, gets the Miyagi treatment and comes back and wins the tournament, right? Like Yeah, Adam Adam they, Banks gets his arm broken and then fights through it so that he can play with the Ducks and they can exactly. start the Junior Goodwill game. Exactly. And we're not seeing that anymore, Steven. And that's what I'm talking about. And it, it, it shocks people because they're not used to this. But I grew up on this. I grew up on guys fighting through pain and showing and pushing themselves to the limit. And there's – and it – felt damn good to see it in live action when we're having men being replaced by women on every TV show, on every movie. We saw a man stand up and say, I'm going to do this because I want this more than anybody else. And I came to this company to win this title and not this stupid injury is going to stop me. Like, that is the stuff that legends are made of. And I felt like Cody had a legendary performance. Yeah, that was legendary. It was. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It was inspiring. Also, shout out to Seth Rollins. He was the other half of the match that like made this work because he's incredible too. As much flack as we might give him for being kind of like a WWE shill nowadays and stuff, like Seth Rollins can really, really go still. He always could and he still can. And it was it was great that he came out with the polka dots also like that was insult to injury with the with the storyline with the i thought that was great with the the dusty polka dots for seth rollins that was genius um if seth and cody are going to wrestle again cody needs to come out dressed like or seth needs to come out dressed like stardust like i think that'd be hilarious um but i also think that they shouldn't continue this either which i it looks like they're going to based on what we saw last night, unfortunately. like. So here's my thing about that. I think that they wanted to give respect to Cody, but I think the other part of that is they want to keep Seth Rollins heel. Yeah, so I agree. By doing that, he had yeah. to attack Cody. And so I don't know if Cody's going to go out there and necessarily get revenge right off the bat. I think it'll always be there, and they'll revisit it when they want to. And maybe at the Royal Rumble, like right? Like maybe it comes down to Seth and Cody at the Rumble. Right. And then it just builds tension because of their previous history or whatever the case may be. But I, I don't necessarily think that that's a sign that this feud is just going to continue right away when Cody comes back. Yeah, I think that's a good point, though, too. I, I thought that a little bit myself when I when I saw that uh, thinking like 
maybe this is just a way where like they have they have to write Cody off TV right now. Anyways, everyone knows he's injured. You didn't have to do the injury on Raw to add to this. We already know how hurt he is based on just seeing him at Hell in a Cell, and you could right. easily just say, "Hey, Cody needs to take time off." But with Rollins kind of causing even worse injury, and they can say, "Well." Cody was going to be back sooner than this. And now it's like, it's going to be longer because of Seth and makes Seth almost look like he kind of won something like, cause he's lost, lost, lost when it comes to Cody. And it's like, okay, at the end of the day, I'm the reason he's, he's injured and off TV. So like Seth gets some sort of small victory in this feud to some degree that keeps him in like the upper mid card to main event level scene of the show um, going forward. Um, I mean, so, in, my, in, in my opinion, like, based on what has happened between them in these three matches, yes, he's lost all three of them. But, I mean, this is the this is one of the best feuds in wrestling all year, right? Oh, yeah. This is probably the best feud in WWE this year. Yeah. I, I don't see why Seth wouldn't be a main eventer at this point. You don't have a lot of guys either. Like, I think... Seth being in the main event makes sense. Maybe Seth winning money in the bank makes sense. You know, he's been on a long losing streak. The way to make that up is to win money in the bank. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that there's definitely um, options for Seth. But like, just like if you just think about these last three matches that Cody and Seth have had, man, unbelievable, unbelievable, a great trilogy of matches. And I'd give five star to every single one of them. Yeah. I mean, you could even, they rarely, rarely long play like this in WWE anymore, but you could have a scenario where Seth Rollins wins money in the bank. And he's like, he has the history with that briefcase too, being, you know, how he won the title the first time in his career because of money in the bank. You could do something similar like that. Like if Cody beats, I mean, I don't know when he's going to be back when Cody's going to be back, but assuming Cody beats Roman before the end of the year, Cody could be the champion going into WrestleMania and Rollins could finally beat Cody at WrestleMania this year with the money in the bank. Like, and that would be like, you know, him finally getting a big win on Cody. But at that point, like Cody's a made man. Cause like he's already won the title and been the top guy. And now it's time to elevate someone else to, to be kind of in that spot with him. Uh, Cause he can't be the champion forever. But um, I don't know. There, there's, I think, I think the Cody and Seth stuff has been really, really good. But I've also only been watching just the pay per views. So like all I've seen is just match, 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 and just some video packages. But that's been really enjoyable, and that, and that's what yeah. I try to tell people that that you know watch WWE every week and get so upset about it and live tweet about it and, and like get all angry and feel like they're wasting their time is like. If you watch the shows the way I watch the shows, you probably really enjoy it. Like, you know, just watching it once a month and just getting caught up with the video packages, I think is I've, I've been satisfied with every WWE show I've watched this year. Cause I'm just watching just, just that stuff. I'm not, I'm not being overexposed to seeing the same match. I mean, I am still seeing the same match most of the time on a lot of these shows month after month, but I'm not seeing them all wrestling each other five times a month and the pay-per-view like I'm, just seeing you know what it kind of reminds me of it's like it's like watching a comedy movie right it's never gonna be anything that's like just excellent great quality like you know in-depth storytelling or anything like that but it's just an easy watch 
And then every now and then you're going to find one that's absolutely hilarious and it's it's way better than you expected. But for the most part, it's the pretty standard paint-by-numbers story of like your just basic comedies, right? That's kind of what WWE is to me. It's not like watching some spy espionage movie. It's not like watching some like overly thought out drama or anything like that. Just your typical comedy movie that you can sit back and enjoy and hopefully it not just be awful, right? Like for the most part, I enjoy when WWE pay-per-views come on. I pay Peacock $5 a month and I watch them. It's not a big deal. Um, and if it pisses me off, I don't care because like the, the product that I'm really invested in is AEW. So this is just kind of like my side stuff that I watch. I watch more WWE than I do impact wrestling. I'll say that right now. I watch WWE more than I have been on new Japan. Um, new Japan's kind of been in a, a lull. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's definitely not the best but i mean if you're getting stuff like cody and seth and and i mean even some of like the roman that tag match with roman reigns and riddle and rk bro the usos that the main event at backlash like that wasn't that bad like there's there's a lot of stuff that they're putting out that it's not excellent but it's not terrible and like i said if you're not actually insulted by a long ass three hour raw or something like that then yeah, just watch the pay-per-views and and watch the video package to see what happens. If you if something really excites you then, that you find out that happened on Raw or something, check it out on YouTube. It's not like you really need to tune in. Dynamite, I have to tune in. I want to see who wins the Battle Royal. I want to see what happens with MJF. I want to see who wins between Moxley and, and uh, the winner of the Battle Royal. I want to see where certain storylines are going. Like I'm completely invested in in the AEW product, I'm not invested in WWE at all. Well, I, I have actual FOMO for AEW. Like, I, I if I miss something live, I feel like I missed out. In WWE, if I miss something live, I'm just gonna watch it on YouTube because I'm never gonna feel bad about not watching a three hour show and then just missing something that was good that was ten minutes long. Like, you know, I could find the one good thing after the fact. But with AEW, I feel like if I miss the show, there's a lot of good stuff I'm gonna miss. Um, yeah. Ace King Trader, I, I see. I've seen you in the chat a few times. Appreciate you being here, man. Um, yeah. I don't know how we're probably not gonna have a lot of time to talk GCW tonight because of all the other stuff that was going on. But if you want to hear GCW thoughts on um, on Thursday morning, myself and Jeremy Lambert, we do the spotlight on Fightful. That's uh, YouTube.com/slash/Fightful. I have Tournament of Survival. Um, and uh, Cage of Survival. We're going to be talking about that um, a little bit on that show for sure. So um, if you want some uh, some GCW love, definitely check that out. And me and Doug talk GCW on the show pretty often. It's just this week, you know, you've heard the show up to this point. There's there's a lot that we had to cover. And then we're also going to talk a little UFC before we get out of here. So um, yeah, also, also another good. Go I'm going to say real quick, this is unrelated. He brought up movies. I just want to throw this out there for anyone who was paying attention last year when I went through watching like all the Fast and Furious movies and all this stuff. I finally watched um, most of Fast 9. Man, just finish I, it. Well, no, no, I, I finished it. I did, but I like, I had to skip okay. around a little bit. I was like, this is, that was awful, dude. Like that was, that was so bad. Like the way that they tried to explain Han surviving, mm -hmm. I was just like, this is, 
like and like the the redneck kid from Tokyo Drift is yep. how they get into space. He'd been working on a yep. rocket with Bow Wow. I was like, this is this is lame as hell. And then Paul Walker pulls up at that, and I'm like, you notice on accept that this man has died. Like this is getting weird now that like he's still a part of this, but he's not alive. And I well, apparently yeah, I, the next one like Brie Larson is supposed to be his sister. And oh, uh, oh I didn't even mention yeah, John Cena being the brother was weird as hell. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Fast nine sucked ass, dude. That was terrible. Yeah. So what would what would end up being your favorite Fast, Fear, Fast and Furious one out of all of them? I think the most enjoyable one, the most enjoyable combination of, like, a story that's somewhat believable, and like just to kind of zone out and chill and just watch a movie. And most people won't agree with this. It's probably the first or the second movie because. While they're not like the the crazy like action movies that like Fast Five and stuff winds up being, it's like I liked it better when it was just more about like underground racing and like a little bit of crime and like you know the dynamic of Paul Walker being a cop but also being a part of this like this other world and like now it's just, now they're in space, dude. Like it's 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 gotten way too far out. Well, and I mean, listen, if this Jurassic park doesn't do too well and they run out of ideas, they own both IPs. They, you know, you merge them together. Little Dominic Toretto and T-Rex. I mean, Hey, what do you say? Yeah. Well, especially the fact that like the director, the longtime director ends up quitting because he can't deal with Vin Diesel. And then like the rock refuses to work with him. Like, it's just, we we have a huge, huge issue of like these. And then the last two are going to be into two parts. Like it's a mess. You know, for sure what the, what the finish of, of the Jurassic park crossover would 1 million percent be Toretto having to street race a dinosaur for like, for like who controls the world. But you mean like the dinosaur would be like racing and he's going to street race it? Like you're not well, actually so talking about a dinosaur driving a car, right? I'm, I, I'm talking about a dinosaur driving a car. And the reason oh, being God, is God. because I remember in the original Jurassic Park when that one dinosaur opened a door, like used the doorknob to like get into a room instead of just like busting the door open. So um, now, now it might still be Toretto versus just like a running dinosaur. Like Toretto is in some sort of like jurassic park souped up car that can like race a running dinosaur i guess that that's possible but i think considering where they're at with how unbelievable this entire thing has gotten with fast nine i could totally see a scenario where the dinosaurs have human-like brains and abilities and the the ability to maybe even communicate with humans and they work out it's like in it's like in uh tokyo drift how it all gets settled by by a drift race between um uh redneck kid and uh the son or nephew or whatever of the the yakuza or whatever was going on in that one like instead of the yakuza boss just like killing the kid who's messing with his nephew they have to settle it with a street race this would be kind of like that just with dinosaurs yeah, so anyways, uh, Fast Five. <laughs> and that's um, why we couldn't talk about GCW this week. Sorry about that. Fa- right. Instead of that, we talked Fast Furious and Dinosaurs. <laughs> anyways, uh, the best ones are Fast Five. Fast Five is when The Rock was introduced. I know it's incredible. And then Fast Six is great because The Rock and Gina Carano. And it's a it's a nice little swerve. And 
it's the last one with like Paul Walker fully in it. Like those two are the the peak Fast Furious for me. Um, Nathan Banks with the super chat, nothing to say, but hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Um, and then Chris Warden with the super chat. Evening boys, uh, thanks, Chris. By the way, evening boys. I just read the Double or Nothing is trading as high as one hundred seventy thousand pay per view buys, which puts it about twenty percent over last year's show. So much for Morans like Bischoff, who say AEW isn't growing. Laugh out loud. And not only that, like they sold out the T-Mobile Arena. They made over a million dollar gate. They've grown year after year on every single one of their pay per views. Once CM Punk has came in. So, you know, you can't just use ratings as the only metric. And I think that's where Bischoff falls short. Hey, can you still hear me right now? Yeah, you got a thunderstorm. I apologize. If I cut off line, I'll try to call off my phone. Um, But my power just looks like it's a little bit shaky because of the the weather. Um, Okay. But um, I, I think it's funny as hell, by the way, that like, just speaking of double or nothing and in Las Vegas and how well they did, how like the, the relationship, the relationship between, you know, Dana White and Tony Khan were like their friends and they go out to dinner and stuff. And, and Dana knows that the UFC has the AW audience, just more of the 18 to 49. And, and Tony doesn't want to step on Dana's toes and Dana is returning the favor by not running head to head with AEW. And there's like a relationship there that benefits both of these companies. They even yep. have a crossover with talent and stuff. And WWE is over here. Like we're going to go head to head with UFC and it's going so poorly that like they have to change venues. <laughs> like, you know, Not what only I, mean? that, I, I heard it's international fight week that they're going head to head. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. That's what I've heard too, which is like the dumbest, that's, that's the most the ignorant idea. Thing. Yeah. Because that's when they have their ultimate fan fest. That's where yeah. people travel to go see the UFC. Like, dumb. Extremely dumb. And yeah. <laughs> and you wonder why you couldn't sell tickets either. Like, you're not going to sell out a stadium when the UFC is across the street having a major event. Like, that's just stupid. Imagine how disappointed you'd be like if you were an MMA fan that had no interest in pro wrestling and like you were in town and you couldn't get into the UFC show. So you're like, well, I heard there's combat sports over here. And like, it was that you're like, what is this? Yeah. No, <laughs> terrible. Um, but, but yeah, I, no, I, I think it's, I think it's done for the, uh, for like, like AW would never be that ignorant. if like try to go head to head with something like that. Like you at WWE just thinks like, we're WWE, so we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. It's like, well, not when the UFC is in town with international fight league. Like, no one's going to your show. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I. It baffles me some of the decisions that they make, but it is what it is. Um, pretty much it. Dominion is this weekend, isn't it? New Japan is it? Dude, I'm so out of the loop on New Japan right now. Like, on the I, I believe it is. I believe it is. So we will find out who wins between Okada and Jay White. I do think that Jay White has a possibility of winning just because Okada is having a child in August. So if they want to go ahead and pull that trigger, they could, um, which could change the forbidden door drastically because if Okada is not the champion, that could open up any match, really. If Jay White is the champion, then that kind of limits on what they can do with Jay White. So be interesting there. Um, Osprey is back. So Osprey will be facing Sonata and Juice Robinson in a triple threat for the U.S. title. I personally think 
Osprey versus Hangman would be the best choice. I think it'd be phenomenal. Um, never really happened in New Japan. Uh, we've seen Hangman and Jay White multiple times in New Japan. I would love to see Osprey and Hangman. I think Hangman is in his prime right now. I think Osprey's pretty much right there with him. So I think that, that would they would have a phenomenal match. They would steal the show. That that would be my goal is Hangman and Osprey. Um, but I don't even know. Juice Robinson's probably going to win, and who knows what happens after that. Yeah, I, I, I like those predictions, though. I like all that. And that's also where Tanahashi and Goto is happening. Is that Dominion, right? Yes, so we'll know what happens there. And then also on top of that, one more thing, Cobb and Great Khan are facing the Bullet Club guys for the tag team titles. And the FTR and them have already been messing around with each other. So I feel like that it's going to be FTR versus Khan and Cobb for the New Japan tag team titles. At I think yeah, I think that's a good call, especially with Great Khan and Jeff Cobb showing up on AEW and everything to break up the, yeah. the ROH tag title match. I think that makes a lot of sense. Plus, it gives it gives gold to the United Empire. Like it just makes sense to me. Um, the Cobb and Khan are much stronger act than who has the titles right now. So those are some things to look out to. So I really feel like after Dominion, we'll have a really good idea of what's going to be happening at the Forbidden Door. So check out Dominion this weekend. Yeah, is that on Fight TV? I'm not sure. I mean, it's always on New Japan World if you guys want to watch it that way. Um, I'm not sure if they're airing it on Fight TV or not. And I, st- I believe the crowd is still not allowed to cheer, so it can get kind of rough in there. So I, I don't know when that'll ever happen again. So. Yeah, that, that, That's another thing, too, is just wild. Is like when these guys get to, like, Chicago in, in a sold-out United Center, like, they haven't heard a crowd in a really long time. Wild. So they're going to be fired up. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So do I... Do yeah. some UFC predictions yeah. real quick. Get get that out of the way, and that should wrap up the show. Yep. Um, if y'all have any UFC predictions and you want us to read them out or anything else, whether it's pro wrestling related, NFL related, really whatever, um, if you send super chats, we'll still make sure to uh, to address all those. And donations work the same way. Donation links in the description below, um, and super chats you can do right through YouTube. Um, but yeah, whether it has to do with what we're talking about or not, we'll make sure to address every single one of them before we go off the air. Um, also, so, if you guys haven't, smash that like button. Yeah, smash <laughs> that like button, hit the subscribe button. Those are two completely free ways to help um, to help support the channel, which we really Absolutely. appreciate. And um, then I have a quick question. Uh, Jim, he thinks clap crowds will end in July. Or he thinks clap crowds, basically he thinks that only when you can clap will end in July. Why is that? Is there like something that's been going on? Has Japan said anything about like possibly doing anything restrictions or is this just a guess? I'm just curious because I'm over it. I'm really over it. So, yeah, I have no idea. But if, if he knows, yeah, definitely let us know. Um, so UFC 275 this weekend. Um, I got to talk to Sean. That freaking fly came back. Um, I got to talk to Sean. I don't I I feel like we're probably not doing fight nights anymore, but we might i don't know i gotta i gotta talk to him about it but um i may be on watching it live on youtube if not i'll just be hanging out with uh with like my brother and watching the fights but regardless i am very much looking forward to um 
well, at least three of the fights on the show. Like, I, I think, I think that this card is really top heavy, but like the three main fights is like definitely worth watching the pay-per-view if you're an MMA fan. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll go from the top down on just like kind of the, the main stuff here, those main three fights. Um, the main event, Liberty Share is defending the UFC light heavyweight championship against Yuri Prohaska, which, you know, Yuri is on a, on a tear right now. And he's definitely the rightful number one contender. I think he presents a lot of potential issues for Glover, but I'll go ahead and start off by saying like, I am picking Glover. Like I, I after what he did to my boy Blahovich, and especially with his, his rise to the title, like once again, Glover 100% earned his way back to a championship shot and he totally just destroyed John Blahovich, which was super impressive. And I feel like Teixeira just isn't done just yet. And I think he has, I think he's more well-rounded than Prohaska is. If you can get him on the ground, I think he has a really good chance. Um, how do you feel about this one? Because there's a lot of people that think Prohaska is just going to wash him. I don't think that. I don't think that. I do think though that Teixeira seems like he's motivated to take him to the ground. And if that doesn't work out, then I don't know who wins. I think, honestly, Glover has more power in his hands, but he's going to be way slower. And I do think Perhaska does end up leaving openings where Glover could take advantage. Um, he's a crafty veteran. Glover's extremely tough. It's a tough fight, honestly. I don't think that this is a walk away for Perhaska at all. Like, I think this is a tough fight. Um Hmm. I'm leaning towards Glover, but I also think he could get old overnight. Like that just happens in fun with fighters. And Prohaska, man, like markability, like the guy looks like straight up like an 80s action bad guy. He looks like somebody that Van Dam would fight at the end of Bloodsport. Like he's just uh he's crazy. And you know. I was a bad kid and then I read the art of war. Like it changed yeah. my life. Like he's like a samurai. Like he's a he's a wild man. So uh he's like a legit, like your typical badass martial artist that like trains in like the cold and outside, like that's him. Uh so I don't know. I'm I'm leaning towards Glover, but I would not be surprised if Verhaska pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat where I'm, I'm going with Glover. Um, he's kind of in the same kind of league as someone like a, uh, Andre Arlovsky for me in a lot of ways where like, I just really don't pick against those guys. Like I just, I really like what they do. I think it's just super respectable that they're this late into the game and they're still performing at this level. And I feel like until the wheels fall off, they're going to be competitive to some degree. Um, just like keep standing the test of time. I did see that Teixeira said that he wanted to retire later this year. He wants to fight in New York because that's like his, like his, his home ever since he like moved to the U S he, he's really close with, with being from New York. Um, so he wants to fight there for his retirement fight. So I think what he's trying to do is, you know, if he can retain over Prohaska, he wants to defend one more time in New York around the end of the year and then call it a career. And I think that'd be a hell of a, a story. So I'm I'm hoping that Teixeira, 
I like Prohaska a lot and he has a really bright future and he's still young and he, and he hasn't even hit his prime yet. He's still like, he's going to be scary, insanely good once he hits his prime, which he isn't even in yet, in my opinion. Um, but I think Teixeira gets him to the ground and I think he gets the job done. And uh, I don't know who, who for sure, who, you know, Teixeira would fight later this year if he gets past Prohaska. But, um, you know, assuming John Jones goes to heavyweight and everything, um, but Glover at plus one seventy uh, says says uh, Romeo, Romeo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I put out some kind of crazy wagers this weekend. I, I've been doing a lot lately of the um, allegedly because I, I do live in Georgia, so this is all alleged. You know, just if I was betting on, on advice, on, yeah, just advice. a lot of good advice. Yes, and, and but but not but not advice. I shouldn't say that because I don't want people using my advice to gamble. I'm just saying if I was gambling on MMA ever, it's alleged because I can't do that because I live in Georgia. Um, I've been putting money allegedly on like um, like crazy parlays and like big time underdogs or like people getting submission wins that like rarely ever get submissions or put, you know, Michael Jackson winning a fight and he actually gets the job done because he gets kicked in the nuts twice and eye gouged, you know, like, so, but so I, every now and then it hits though. It like, it, it makes it really interesting watching some of these shows, especially when you have like a seven fight parlay going or something and you're like five fights in and you've hit them all so far. And like things get really interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll make like a, allegedly like a five or ten dollar bet to try to win like thousands you know what i mean like, yep. those kind of things uh nothing really this this past weekend uh of luck but you know i'll definitely allegedly maybe um look into seeing what could be fun to watch this weekend do we also have um the we have two other title fights yep. we have valentina shevchenko defending the women's flyweight championship against talia santos um, Santos is coming off of how many wins in a row now? Probably four or five. One, two, three, four, five. Um, Molly, Molly McCann, Jillian Robertson, Roxanne Modafferi, and Joanne Wood, the former Joanne Calderwood. Um, and Shevchenko, I mean, she's got to be in double digits in a row at this point. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row. Her last loss was a split decision loss to Amanda Nunez, but just defending the title over and over and over and over again. Uh, I feel like I know who you're going to pick here, but uh, for the record, do you think uh, Shevchenko gets another W here? Yeah, but I will say I watched the countdown show because I've never even heard of this chick. I have no idea who she is. And she looks like she could cause some problems for Valentina. She looks kind of aggressive. She looks tall. She has a long reach. Um, she looks like she probably weighs a lot in the in that division. So there's could be she could have a size advantage. She could have a length advantage with her striking but i mean i still think valentina is going to win but i do think that there were some interesting like physical attributes that i saw from her on the countdown show where i was like she might she might give valentina some issues especially when valentina doesn't like to pull the trigger right away so maybe this girl comes out really aggressive catches valentina a little bit timid and then valentina's in a fight right but overall i think valentina's going to win but I do think that this might be more interesting than people think. When Romeo is saying, I, thank you for putting the odds in here, by the way, Romeo. I appreciate yeah, I appreciate that, that Romeo. Um, Santos at plus 450 seems a little light to me. I thought, I figured she'd be yeah. even less, or even more of an underdog, rather. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think that they, they see some things in her. Like she, she is on a winning streak and, 
maybe you know what it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of Zhang that like nobody really knew a lot about her and then she got a title shot and she won and people are like why does she get a title shot over Michelle Watterson and all this other stuff and then she ended up winning so it's like I, I mean Valentina is like one of the best in the, ever so like I don't I don't really think she's gonna win but I don't know if she's gonna be like um uh you know some of those like jobbers that amanda fought at 145 for the title you know what i mean yeah. like i think that this might be like a little bit of a of a fight well and I, I don't remember what the odds were for um the oh, i can't remember why can't i i'm blanking on anything the uh the, uh, beat amanda nunez uh juliana pena i couldn't think of her name um juliana pena i don't know what the odds were for pena to beat nunez um that night but i feel like they were probably higher than what santos is but that's probably by design because like some of these odds makers now are probably like hey some of these upsets are like actually happening right you know like <laughs> some money here like this yeah. isn't working out like i thought so um i think i think that juliana was like plus 600 700 something like that so i think she was yeah. she was higher than that for sure so yeah yeah um, um interesting I'll say this. I think that Shevchenko wins. And I think that because when you, when you look at um, like the Bantamweight division where they're at right now, I, I haven't paid any attention, but I guess Pena and Nunez are, are hosting ultimate fighter right now. Yeah. Like, I haven't watched it no all, but that is watching. true. Yeah. So they'll have a rematch. I'm assuming. Yeah, um, they're fighting. They're fighting in Dallas in July. Oh, down, oh, next month. I didn't realize that was coming up so soon. Oh, that actually yeah. is perfect because I was about to say, I think Shevchenko should move to Bantamweight after if she retains, uh, she should move to Bantamweight and go for the the champ champ because um, I think she matches up really well against Juliana Pena. And we've seen her go to a decision twice with Amanda Nunez. And like that trilogy has been something we've wanted for a long time. So like, I think Shevchenko should fight at Bantamweight in her next fight. Uh, Romeo says that Pena was plus 700. And I was kind of expecting something more like that for Santos, given where uh, Shevchenko's at. But once again, the more of these crazy upsets that keep happening, the less likely the odds makers are going to keep giving us those kind of odds. So, Agreed. Um, the other title fight on this show. Oh, sorry. This isn't a title it's fight. not a title, but, it's, but it's, a, it damn near should be. I saw those names and thought title because they're always yeah. in the title mix. But uh, Wiley Zhang, Zhang Wiley however you want to say it, uh, versus Yoni on J-Check. I was there live in um, in Las Vegas right. for their first That's fight. Right. And that was the best women's fight I've ever seen in my life. Um, still to this day, I haven't seen anything better than that. And one of the best just overall fights I've ever seen, like regardless of gender, like that was, yeah. you know, it's way up there all time for, for any fights. But like, if you're going to zone specifically on women's fights, like that's the GOAT women's fight, in my opinion. Um, I like they're running this back because it makes sense for both women to rematch right now, and the winner gets a title shot. It's pretty simple, like you know. And to put to to put things into perspective, when the last time they fought, the uh, the virus had just hit China. I remember, and was, and was starting yeah. to come to it, and they were worried about it coming to the U.S. But they brought Wale to Vegas to stay at the Performance Center because the virus had just hit China. So like that is when they fought last time. So like this after this fight, our whole world changed. Um, it was so crazy. It's been a while. Yeah, it was crazy because I remember like when I was there, 
you know, people still weren't really wearing masks or gloves and stuff, but like people were starting to kind of kind of chatter about it a little bit. Like yeah. we're in Vegas, like a lot of people are touching the these cards. Thing. Like, should we? Because I remember like, I remember calling my friend and being like, why is she in the U.S.? Like, why did they have to bring her in? And then he was explaining to me what was going on in China. Like, I was so, and I remember our shoot, my shoot job, they called us into an office and were talking to us about like what's been going on in in china and how it's going to affect the market and stuff and i just was like okay like god i had no idea what we were about to get hit with so yeah but anyways just a just an idea of like when the last fight took place and how much things have changed since then to where they are now um and yoana hasn't fought since so that that i think that's a huge huge piece of this puzzle yeah for sure i I, I remember being when, when i was there um, cause one of the guys that was on the trip with us actually lived in Brazil and he couldn't fly back. Like I got to fly back to, uh, to Nashville, but even then like flights were starting to get kind of sketchy and like people were talking about like maybe having to wear like masks on the plane and all this stuff. And, uh, I know someone got stuck there for like weeks cause he couldn't fly back to Brazil after being there. Um, I, and, and Jan Jacek not fighting up to this, uh, you know, uh, since then she's in such a unique spot in the UFC because like she's a big enough star in my opinion. And she's always going to be relevant enough when she's active that like she, I, I she's only going to fight number one contender fights and title fights. Like I think anything lower than that just isn't worth her time. She's got so, a lot of like the Connor treatment. She's not Connor. Yeah. She doesn't draw like right. Connor, but she gets a lot of the like, connor treatment like when she wants to fight they'll make a fight for her and it'll be a big fight well a big reason why the strawweight divisions even had the success that it's had was her title run with that belt like really yeah. legitimize that title belt well and um, not only that whoever wins this could beat carlos farza right exactly for so sure. this is a this is a huge number one contender fight in my opinion and Carla's an interesting matchup against both of them because Carla's grappling and cardio, like that's a problem for everyone. It might be a boring problem for fans, but um, but yeah, I mean, this is once again, this is a rematch of the best women's fight I've ever seen. Uh and I was lucky enough to be there live the first time, and I, you know, it just I, I was hoping to see it again at some point, and now is the time, and it makes perfect sense. And yeah, the the winner should fight Carla as far as it's pretty, it's pretty simple. As far as prediction, I'm actually going on J-Check this time, I think. Um, I'm, you know, going, it, I'm going Wally. All right. It's a great fight. I mean, it's like this. I, I'm sure you remember the hematoma that John yep. that uh, J-Check had. I mean, but I just, I don't know. I just have a feeling about you on J-Check in the rematch. It's nothing against John. It's, it's, this is literally the equivalent of me flipping a coin and just checking, and just picking on J-Check on gut instinct. This is a huge factor that I didn't even think about, but this really does need to be five rounds, three rounds. I I just don't know if we'll get to a clear conclusion about what happens. That's right. And I I do think five rounds for the title. Right. And I do think that Zhang, she, she has a lot riding on this man. She's what lost two in a row, two in a row to Um, Rose. Yeah. I think that's just her last two or both rows. Yeah. 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 So she's lost two in a row to Rose, which honestly I thought she won the second one. So um, that was a quick incorpor- decision, by the way. I mean, that could. She also incorporated under- wrestling a lot more in that fight, so I would be interesting to see how she does with with um, Joanna. And a lot of times, sometimes these rematches of like fight of the years don't turn out to be the same. Like 
they usually like when there's a close decisive decision like it goes to decision usually there's a finish in the rematch for whatever reason it just there there's a finish and i feel like the zhang has more power than yoana and i feel like that zhang is more she's just more powerful and like she can incorporate wrestling and i just think yoana is going to struggle it's been a long time since she's been in there and I, and I feel also there's a huge motivation for Zhang to win. So I, I think that, that I'm going with Zhang to win. I like it. I like all these predictions. I took Jun Jacek in our um, in our thing, like our, our DraftKings group. Our completely okay. 100% legal DraftKings group that is completely it's legitimate. And it's it's free. free. It's Leave free. us alone. So, okay. Yes. Um, um, we did get a super chat from Dirty. Is there any other fights on the other card that's decent? Uh, nothing worth spending time on. Okay. Um, do you by chance have the top five of the welterweight division real quick? Uh, I can pull it up real quick. Let's see here. Thanks, Dirty, for the super chat. Really appreciate it, man. Um, we'll, we'll go over this, and then we'll call it a night for our show. Uh, basically, he says, how well do you think Prime GSP would do against the current top five? Okay, so I would say... I'm gonna go well. I'll preface this by saying I think GSP beats all these guys. Still, I know Jeez, Doug's gonna oh Doug's gosh. gonna disagree when it comes to Usman. But um, I think GSP beats all these guys. But but I think he I think that Usman matches up well with them. I think Covington matches up well with them. Um, I think Edwards is a terrible matchup because I think GSP could take him down at will. Um, I think Chimeyev isn't quite proven enough based on the Burns fight. And then Burns himself would be the Burns and Muhammad would be, would be the other guys in the top five. And I just think GSP just outclasses those guys personally. So I think I, I would say he might have issues with Covington. He might have issues with Usman, but I think he would decisively probably beat everyone else. Unless, unless Chemeyov, like, I mean, it's not like Chemeyov's performance against Burns was bad. It's just, I don't see Burns on the same level as GSP kind of thing. So that, that's how I feel about it. What about you, Doug? Hold on. I was going to show you something real quick. Yeah. So this is my edited picture of GSP that I made, and he yeah. signed it. That's it. So, so yeah. it's not like I'm not a fan, okay? I, I made yeah. this myself. Um, I'll say this. One thing that just people want to ignore about GSP was if he did not have wrestling to rely on, he's not going to do very well in these fights. And I just think that the wrestling has evolved to a certain point now to where he could not just take guys down at will and he would be forced to stand with these guys. And he hates fighting. He hates fighting. He hates to be put in a real tough position. Think about when Carlos Condit kicked him in the head. Think about when things weren't going right with even Jake Shields. There starts to be a little panic in some of the things on the stand-up. Um, yeah. We're talking about like very small, short, a couple different we're talking about a couple little hiccups in like a epic title but, run where he was but, but the epic title run is because he could take people down i'm sure. saying that you're now taking that away I get because what you're they, he cannot take these guys down now so now he's stuck in a fight with usman and he's gonna try to do his jab and all this other stuff but at the end of the day usman just has more heart and more power and he's gonna he's gonna beat him. That's what I think. I don't think that he can get the takedown at will anymore. In Colby Covington, interesting case because Colby doesn't have the power to hurt him. 
So I would lean towards GSP to beat a Colby Covington. I would lean towards GSP to beat a Leon Edwards, a Gilbert Burns, um, Chemaev, based on what I saw. I don't know. That's a tough one. But if he can't stop the takedown, then George is going to win. I just think if it comes down to GSP and Usman, he cannot beat Usman. I think Usman is a better fighter than George St. Pierre. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I don't even necessarily disagree with it. I just don't think GSP has given me any reason to doubt him for any reason. Like, I think if he came back, he would – He, I don't think he would come back unless he knew that he could hang with those guys. Um, but that's the thing. is like he came back because he knew he could beat Bisping. Sure. But he doesn't want any part of Usman. He has never even tried to get that fight. He wanted Khabib at 155 possibly or put Khabib yeah. at 170. Like, And that would be about wrestling. And I don't think he would win that fight. I, I really don't. If Especially if it came down to just heart and will. Like, I, I, GSP, it's just like, it's just like BJ Penn said, you tap the strikes, you're a bitch. GSP at the end of the day, I know that he's an elite fighter, but he is also a guy that is wanting to quit in there. And if you put it to him, he never got put in that position. But if you put it to him and he's stuck in bad positions, he will quit in there. He's the same guy that at UFC 50 took that arm bar from Matt Hughes and immediately tapped before it even hit because mentally he was broke. If he doesn't get the takedown, if he is stuck in a dogfight of a fight and actually is hurt and rocked and can't find his way out of it, he will quit in there, in my opinion. I mean, he still finished that fight with Johnny Hendricks where he got beat up bad and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. I get what you're saying. And also, let's be fair, Johnny Hendricks, once you saw the camera around, that guy's career went completely downhill because, oh. like, he was you remember like when he hit John Fitch and John Fitch like flew across he the cage skidded, like skidded. Like, yeah like, yeah and then all of a sudden he had no power like yeah come on like that one that I'm there, there's like Overheem and Hendrix and it's clear <laughs> as day they were both on stuff right Vitor Belfort okay like and and they they it was allowed because it's right. TRT but. But I think that, you know, okay, like GSP beat Dan Hardy and Josh Koshek and Jake Shields, but these are not the type of fighters that these guys are now. And I just think that now he would run into a lot of guys that are very comparable to his skills, but have a better chin, more heart, and are willing to go out there. Like, people don't give Usman enough credit. Like, that guy will tear you to pieces standing up knocking out Jorge Masvidal out cold nobody's done that you know what I mean like sure a drop Gilbert Burns finished him with a jab right the Colby fights are crazy but like one of one of Nick one of GSP's claim to fames is taking down Nick Diaz at will like who cares if you beat Sarah in a rematch like I just think these guys are way better now yeah it, something that would have really helped GSP's case for like people kind of like retroactively looking at his career. I know we, but we both lived through it and watched it as it was yeah. happening. But like, yeah. you know, before he won the title, he was a killer. Like he was oh, kicking people and murder. using his karate. And like, I mean, go back, was... go back and watch uh GSP and, um, and uh, Matt Hughes in the rematch. Yeah. Go back he and watch that him. fight. Yeah. I mean, just destroyed him. And then go back and watch another fight. Cause they had a trilogy. Yeah. And I mean, he just picked him apart like he was nothing. 
beat Mayhem on the feet, destroyed Mayhem, destroyed basically anybody out there. And then after he lost to Sarah, he just became strictly a wrestler for the most part and did not want to take part in any of the stand-up, which allowed him to completely control the fights and made them very boring, by the way, but allowed him to completely control the fights, but yet nobody could really push him to do anything else. I just don't think he would be able to do that anymore. Yeah, which is very possible, and it's it's hard it's hard to to compare guys from different eras too for a lot of reasons. Oh, for it's sure, just, it's just tough to do because like I I personally consider GSP the best MMA fighter of all time. But like if you look at like just like in cage ability, I think it's probably John Jones. But there's just like things that 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 go against John Jones. It doesn't have to do with fighting that like always is going to take him down pegs when you, when you look at his career, unfortunately with, with vacating titles and outside the octagon stuff and, and inconsistencies and those kind of things. Immaturity. You know, what's weird now with John is like, he's suspending himself, right? Like it's now like, like you would think a guy that would constantly be suspended, be out for whatever reason, one, two years. Now it's like he's voluntary, voluntarily taking himself out for two years. Like yeah. over like the course of the last four years, he's missed multiple years on his own dime. And it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's disappointing. But but that's the thing is like it'd be kind of like me comparing like Michael Jordan and like LeBron James kind of comparing GSP and Kamar Usman. Cause like, I think right now, like if like, I mean, LeBron James is, is bigger and he's stronger and he's more athletic and the game has evolved to a point where like, I think LeBron would probably beat Michael Jordan if it was like, just like a one-on-one contest. But like, if you gave Michael Jordan that same current technology and the current training and the current access to getting better and, and everything that, that the game has now, he'd probably be just as successful as LeBron James is right now. But like, but like GSP being older than Usman and being from a different era, like it's just hard to compare because part of me wants to say, well, Usman's younger, he's faster, he's stronger, he's been fighting better competition, he's been fighting consistently. He has a he has a uh, a wrestling pedigree that GSP would have big problems with, and that's GSP's bread and butter, and this and that. But then there's also a part of me that's like that same GSP that was the champion and the best of all time. Like I feel like he would only do this if he dedicated himself and really believed that this is something he could do and that he could win and he'd come in prepared. So that's just kind of how I look at it. I, and I, on top I, of it, too, like I, it's my theory that he couldn't take Usman to, down at will. But what if he could? Right. If he exactly. could, then he he could probably dominate him. So that's just my like assumption or my theory. But like I'm not a hundred percent guaranteeing it. But what I am saying is, is you take away that weapon from GSP, I think he's a completely different fighter for sure. Which yeah, I think I think that that's completely fair. If, if, if Usman can neutralize his wrestling and he has to just stand with him, I think GSP has better hands than what people might remember just because, like, you know, the Freddie Roach training and his jab did get really good and he's very athletic and, and fast and stuff. But, like, but Usman's out there knocking people out. So, like, that's 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 a tough, interesting spot for GSP to be stuck in if he can't wrestle. So, I'm, I'm with you. I totally understand where you're coming from. I take GSP, but I'm not going to say that Usman couldn't beat GSP, of course. I think it's possible that Usman could definitely be GSP for sure. 
I also so. think there's one more thing. I think that a lot of people like GSP way more than Usman, so people lean towards GSP. I don't. I think that people have had a hard time accepting the fact that Usman is a all timer. And which, which it, I'm not one of those people. I, no, I, agree. I agree. All time, I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying about you, but yeah. I just think in general, like the overall consensus I, that I keep hearing is just like Usman sucks or Usman, you know, boring or whatever. But it's like, dude, I think he's an all time great. Yeah, I think he's about. I think he's the second best welterweight of all time to GSP. And and, and but once again, if Usman like continues to defend the title, it, it could literally be one more really impressive title offense, and that just changes me over to being like, all right, Usman's the goat now. Like, let's he, let's I, say this. Let's say this. Usman beats Burns, Chimaev, and then Colby in a trilogy. Um, like he fights Burns again, or like you're counting. Not Bur- uh Edwards. I'm sorry. Edwards, oh, Edwards, Edwards. beats Edwards, Chimaev, and then he beats Colby in a trilogy. Goat. If he, I know this sounds contradictory because GSP's, especially towards the end, his wins weren't super impressive. Um, if Usman, if Usman finishes all those guys, then 100 for sure. So here's the thing: for okay. me, Habib was getting really close to GSP territory. If Habib yeah. would have continued, because he was smashing dudes, like getting into yep. the ground and just dominating to the point where I was like, if he would have done that like two or three more times, I'd probably say he's the GOAT. Yep. Um, Usman, he's getting there. He's close. He's not quite there for me just yet, but I think as far as like GSP level, but once again, yeah, I think if he, Edwards, I expect, I expect him to decision Edwards, um, personally but i think that he'll you know he he could knock him out and prove a real point if he knocked out that'd be huge um but if i I will say if he decisions edwards he decisions chemayev and he decisions colby i'd still go gsp if he finishes any of the guys that i just mentioned especially if he finishes two out of three if he finishes two out of three, then I probably have no doubt that he's that he's the goat. If he finishes all three, then like he's for sure the goat. One out of three, I think that it's still you're still making a pretty good case that like here's the thing. I also wouldn't argue it. Like I'm only arguing for the case of like just making a case for GSP. But like if this was just everyday conversation, you said, "Hey, Kamar Usman, I think is the best welterweight of all time." Like I wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, "Okay, that like I, that makes sense." Like I I yeah. I understand why you why you think that. You know what I mean? So yeah, very. Very interesting subject. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, but but good debate. Like I said, I I, I would I would not just come away and come away and just say that I think one hundred percent this guy's going to win or this guy's going to win. I I think at this point one guy's a better fighter than the other. But I also think that if he can still rely on his bread and butter, he can he can still dominate. If he can't, then he's in a different fight. That's really how I feel. Yeah, I think that one thing, this is the last thing I'll say about it, we'll wrap up, but the one the one thing that Usman hasn't done for me is that, or I shouldn't say hasn't done, but like the, the one kind of box that I haven't checked for him, for whatever reason, there's still something for me with like, I think that last fight with Colby was closer than what people no, think it was. That. And possibly Colby won. I, I I think it was a draw personally, yeah. or Colby might have won by one round. And yeah. the first fight, Usman knocked him out, and like that's a definitive win, and that's that's legit as hell. And Usman had a broken hand going into that first fight and still knocked him out. I mean, impressive as hell. Right. Um, but because there's this other guy who's so close to Usman's level, 
we didn't really see that with GSP except for the Hendricks fight, but that's an outlier because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of there, yeah, there was no, there was no like clear, like almost number two. If GSP wasn't around, I mean, maybe Carlos Condit at the time, but still, like it wasn't, it wasn't Nick when he came over from Strike Force, maybe, yeah, but like that's you know, so yeah, so that's that, but but for for Usman, it's like I feel like Colby might be as as good as him, he just he just hasn't beat him, and I think Colby could. So that's also why I have a little reservation on Usman because I think if Colby keeps beating everyone else and he and if he fought Usman and he finished him in one of their fights, then I think there's a case to be made for Colby. But but still, like because of the competitiveness between Usman and Colby, like I would still have GSP above that just because of how dominant GSP was for his era. So like it, it muddies it a little bit for me. And once again, this is nothing against Usman. It's really more of a props to Colby because like Colby, if Usman wasn't there, Colby would be would be the champion and would have been for years. Like he's just got this one guy who matches up super well against him right there. So, yeah. um, and GSP didn't really have that. Like anyone who was close was like a Condit who he pretty much dominated or Nick Diaz who he pretty much dominated and that kind of stuff. So, um, but anyway... Fun conversation. Well, we got to talk some MMA yeah. here at the end of the show. So hope you all enjoyed sure. that. Who stuck around. So um, yeah, you'll follow me on Twitter at uh fight talk underscore. And if you want more wrestling talk from me this Thursday morning, uh, youtube.com slash fightful myself and Jeremy do the spotlight. We'll be talking about a lot of pro wrestling stuff at nine 30 AM Eastern. And that's all the plugs that I'll, uh, I'll do today. So I, I don't know if you want to tell people to like, and so uh, I can do it. Like subscribe, do all that stuff. We appreciate it. Um, Doug, what do you want to tell the people before we get out of here? I was just wondering, is your show live on Thursday? It is. So we, we free taped okay. the interviews and so okay. me and me and Jeremy talk live for about an hour and a half. And then um, we air an interview. So this week, our interview, we've already pre-taped with Baron Black, who, uh, you know, he's one of the guys who runs Terminus. He's the main guy running Battle Slam. Uh, Battle Slam fight for ATL is this weekend. It's on Saturday. I'll be there live. Um, nice. So, yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit next week when we uh, we're kind of catching up at the beginning of the show. I'll let y'all know uh, how my experience at Battle Slam was uh, this weekend and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, it'll be uh, we'll be talking about a lot of pro wrestling and we'll have an interview with Baron Black for y'all. Um, and I'm also working on getting Dad on soon from Greater uh, oh. Clash, who's been okay. who's been coming out with John Morrison for like GCW and AEW and stuff. So, okay, that'll be a fun there interview. I've been, ta- I've, been ta- I've been DMing with him quite a bit lately, so he'll he'll be a fun guy to talk to. So nice, that's dope. All right, guys. Well, um, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, if you guys have any ideas on like uh, memberships, what you guys would want from us, content wise, merchandise. Um, merchandise i've been thinking about doing aw review shows possibly like weekend review shows of stuff that's happened let me know if you guys are interested in that um it would just be like single videos that pop up so there's just a i i want to put out more content but i'm not really sure what you guys are really wanting like i'm not saying you're picky or anything but i just i don't know what you know, I, 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 I value your opinion. So I want to know what you guys would want from me or from Steven, from us, whatever. So let me know and um, follow me on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open. So if you guys have any suggestions, hit me up. And uh, I appreciate you guys. And uh, 
we'll be back next week. And man, who knows what's going to happen after Dynamite and Dominion, Forbidden Door, all that stuff. Like, we'll find out. So right, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Yeah, for sure. And by, I just realized I said Saturday. Battle Slam is on Sunday. And the reason I'm correcting myself is because it will it will be live on Fight TV if y'all want to watch the show. I know it was pre-taped last time. So if you want to watch it, keep an eye out for me. I'll probably be walking around kind of behind the ring somewhere and trying to talk to people or something. So, yeah, we'll be right here. Same place, same time next week, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern right here. YouTube.com slash RVD Tito for life. I'm Stephen Jensen. That's Doug. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Live Rounds. Make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, and donate to Stephen Jensen. He will read out your donations on the next week's show. Also, don't forget to follow Doug Bateman and Stephen Jensen on Twitter. And if you like what you heard tonight, check out more Live Rounds episodes.